Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey everyone, PW Torch Assistant Editor Zach Haydorn here to remind you to pick up a copy of my new book. It's called Stunning, the Wrestling Artistry of Steve Austin. The project takes a long look at Austin as an artist in the wrestling ring. Analysis starts from his early days in the USWA and then wraps up with his match at WrestleMania 38 against Kevin Owens, all with analysis on what worked and how his art worked to connect with fans. The book is available for pre-order right now from the team that brought you the Shamrock Biography Hybrid Shoot. Pre-order copies are discounted and you can get all the details on my Twitter page right now. It's at Torch. Again, it's at Torch to pre-order Stunning, the Wrestling Artistry of Steve Austin. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the WrestleMania 9 edition of the 90s Past Cast. 
How are you doing, Patrick, here in Caesars Palace? Here in Caesars Palace, Las Vegas, Nevada. Just don't, you know, ignore the, the parking spaces and the parking lot. You know, it's 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 okay. Just the the, the atmosphere aside from that it is beautiful. Great weather out here. Now, did you actually pay for your seats or were you one of the high rollers that got them for free? Yeah, I mean, somebody just like blindfolded me and uh, I was playing the slots and all of a sudden uh, I had a few drinks in me and all of a sudden they took my blindfold off and I had a toga on. I don't know what was going on, but yeah, I'm here now. Oh, it's a shame you had a blindfold on. I was going to ask if you passed Gorilla at the craps table. <laughs> yeah, actually, it did sound like the guy who put the blindfold on did kind of had, had that voice. Could be him. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I alluded to, we are here to talk about WrestleMania 9. Uh, listen, we all agree that this show is not very good, but one of the odd things about it is even though it's not very good, it has, ugh, I don't even know how I want to phrase this, but there's probably more talking points about this mania than some of the ones that are significantly better. Yeah, that's well said. There, there's something about this too, and it, it struck me for the first time watching it back for this review. This is like maybe aside from WrestleMania 7, because it does have a theme, but this one, they go all out. And I don't know if you get that before or after. Like, just theming it. I mean, that alone, you're getting something at least entertainment-wise, if nothing else. Yeah, and you're right. They, and they do a good job with the theme, because you're right. They do go all in. Mm -hmm. Like, for all the things that are wrong with this, there are some positives, and that's definitely one of them. Where do you fall on the outdoor venue side of this? I like it a lot. I have one minor beef with it, and this show is a good example. Yeah. And this year's WrestleMania is a good example. I'm not super crazy about it on the West Coast because I don't like that it's daytime, like, the whole time. The whole time. Yeah, I agree it with you. Yeah. really bothers me. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, that's, that's, that's it for me, too. Um, and it feels like you always see the sky, even though you don't like, I mean, obviously when they zoom in, you, you, you're not seeing the sky, but I just feel like watching this back. I'm actually, I have it on the background again, just because I want to see if there's anything I can pick apart again. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just always, always present for sure. But this is the week of April the 5th, 1993 issue 221. Like I said, we are going to talk about, WrestleMania 9, that's going to be the bulk of today's episode. We are also very briefly in the beginning going to go over the end with Hulk Hogan winning the WWF title. Um, we'll try to keep that as short as possible because I think we'll just save our rant to the end. I mean, if you even have one. Um, also, the Freebirds steal the show at the Sportatorium reunion. Tracy Smothers wins the Smoky Mountain Wrestling title. And there is a record gate set at the All Japan Women's Show. Before we get into all that, we have a couple of things. The first one, on this week, on this day, April the 5th, 1993, the number one song in the country is still Snow, or I'm sorry, still <laughs> Informer by Snow. Yeah, yeah. Still Holding On 
Also, how how is this possible? I mean, we don't have to belabor this, but this is a brutal song. Please go out there and if you're listening now, please go listen to. If you can get past five seconds, that's great. You've you've done yourself uh, a, a big service, I guess. Maybe disservice is the right word. <laughs> also in the news, I I don't know who this person is, but Diva Barty, who was an Indian actress, uh, passed away. She actually fell from the balcony of her fifth floor apartment. Sorry for that. And we do have a new number one movie. Uh, The last two weeks on the show that we did this, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. This movie actually did significantly less at the box office, but it's called Cop and a Half. What? I don't know that one. You you know it without realizing you know it. I'm looking it up. It's Burt Reynolds. (laughs) <laughs> and he's a cop and he has a little kid with him that he wow. like teaches to be a cop. I I've seen this. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um IMDb gives it a rating of 4.1 out of 10 and that's off of 8900 plus votes. So, just <laughs> FYI. It also it looks like it runs about a, an hour and 37. So, you're really not committing too much time if you guys want to go out and watch that. I don't think anybody is going to go watch this movie, and that's totally fine. Just for um, like some context, it did six million on its opening weekend. To compare that with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the first weekend of that was twelve and a half million, and the second week was seven and a half million. I'm surprised, actually. Way down. Yeah, not not much going on there back back then for for movies. Funny you say that. Because next week and for the next month, as a matter of fact, uh-huh. it's a very heavy hitter. Okay, okay. Um, two, it, two immediately come to my mind, but I'll, I'll see if I'm right. Um, this particular movie, next week, actually sets a record for the highest weekend debut in the month of April. Ever. Okay. Yeah, I think I might know what that is. Yeah, it's, again, very, very well-known. Yeah. And now, so that I don't peek at the trivia, we are not doing trivia today, everybody. That'll be next week. I'm going to turn emails over to Patrick, and then we will get into the issue and move on from there. Yeah, and thanks, Dennis, again. You have your trivia um, in for this week. But again, um, as Alex said, we're going to skip that for our WrestleMania 9 review. Um, wanted to keep the theme going for, you know, what we're looking at uh, back 30 years ago because emailer Scott Passner, a VIP member, has uh, an interesting take for us, something that I think Scott's going to submit on a weekly basis. So he starts uh, starts with, hello, happy Manny on the nines week. I have a couple of things. I love the addition of the Pop Culture Minute each week. I'm a loyal fan and would like to add what was the big talk in sports each week. That's awesome, Scott. Thank you. Uh, so he continues uh, with some nuggets here. WrestleMania was the same weekend as the 1993 Final Four. North Carolina battled Kansas and Kentucky went up against Michigan's Fab Five. Two things here. I uh, I didn't know the Fab Five was 93. I thought that was like 95. Um, two, I always equate Kansas and Kentucky with like the top basketball teams ever because this era like they were always there and really to this day they're they're in the mix 
Um, Scott uh, continues, the final of Michigan versus UNC is best remembered for Chris Weber calling a timeout without any time remaining or any timeouts remaining. So, yes, definitely remember that part. Um, he says the Tar Heels win the game and deliver a second national championship to Coach Dean Smith. This final was on CBS opposite the first ever Raw after Mania Monday. Very cool, which was pre-taped weeks before. He also says MLB kicked off with opening day on Monday, April 5th. The Colorado Rockies and Florida Marlins debut as the MLB expands for the first time since 1997. Very cool. Uh, he says hopefully this email tidbit is welcome each week. Absolutely, Scott. Absolutely. Um, he does offer a little nugget here on WrestleMania 9, his retrospective. He says he was a freshman in high school during this time, and this was the last time he bought a pay-per-view until 1997. Now, I wonder why that is, Scott. What happened between 93 and 97? Oh, yeah, nothing. Um, I hope you stick with us, though, as we review that. Out of curiosity, Scott, yeah. uh, on your email next week, please include the first one that brought you back in 97, because I've obviously I've seen all of those, most of mm -hmm. them in time. So I'm curious which one it was. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. Um, during the buildup, he says he was most interested in Kurt Henning versus Lex Luger and was happy to have Hogan back in some way. The show, uh, the show match lineup did not deliver. He says he wishes the Steiners and the Samoans had better opportunity to deliver a WrestleMania match based on their matches in WCW a few years earlier. Definitely agree there. Thanks so much, Scott. Uh, look forward to that uh, the news tidbit every week. Um, Dennis writes in his WrestleMania 9 positive. I'm going to open the email. He says, WrestleMania 9 positive, Brett's all pink outfit. That's it. And actually, that got me because I love the all pink outfit. I think this one's a little bit more hot pink than like WrestleMania 8, which was like more neon pink. Yeah, this is um, definitely darker. Yeah. It's, it's almost like magenta ish. Mm, yeah. See that. I like that. Um, we also have another one from Dennis. He says, Greetings and salutations. I have some to add to the WrestleMania Dream Matches list that I don't think have been mentioned. Uh, he says, wrestling has even more than two royal families. Bret Hart versus Bloodline Roman Reigns is one of the matches he suggests. So I'll pause there. Thoughts on that? We the ones. Yeah, it's like my guy versus your guy. Unless, is Roman Reigns your all-time favorite or just obviously current? But There's no, no. As, as Bret Hart would say, my stones are so cold. Oh, yeah. Why? Man. We need to edit this out. No, I'm, I'm embarrassed. No. Yeah, this is embarrassing. Um, but how do you how do you feel about that, Bret Hart and uh, Roman Reigns? Where, where do you see this going? Uh, as long as it's like '94, Bret, it has to be like all ultimate babyface Bret. It yeah, can't be yeah. like '97 Bret with the Hart Foundation. Like this needs to be a situation where like Owen teases joining the Bloodline just to screw with Bret <laughs> kind of thing. Yes, I love it. Yeah, no, you're right. I think '94 is probably the sweet spot. For him, um, he adds. Uh, Dennis adds another match: Randy Orton or Triple H versus 1988-89 Macho Man. What do you think on that one? I'm not as keen on this one to be honest. I just don't like Triple H or Orton. Uh, I like. I don't care at all about Orton Macho, but Hunter Macho. But I want to add a stipulation. Mm -hmm. The stipulation is Stephanie McMahon on a pole. <laughs> Where's Miss Elizabeth in all this? Oh, where was she when the whole thing happened with Stephanie? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just getting what you're getting at. I don't know why I didn't know that. 
<laughs> um, either that or a shark cage, but I guess the pole makes more sense. Um, he has one for fun, which I love this one. Brock Lesnar versus Psycho Sid. Now, it's got to be, I don't know, Dennis, I think the Psycho Sid, it's really more Sid Justice. But Psycho Sid's fine, don't get me wrong. I just would go for Sid Justice, so like 91, 92. Uh, I almost like the Psycho better, like 97 Sid versus, and then late 96 Sid. Late 96, yeah, that's really Against it. Brock. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what which version of Brock is it? Is it I want to be here and wrestle Brock, or is it I show up for four minutes Brock? Ponytail because, cowboy hat Brock? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's better because – Maybe young Brock carries Sid to something that's respectable. Maybe. And if it's now, they just trade choke slams and suplexes for four minutes and then yeah. it's over. I guess so. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Do we have Harvey, Harvey Whippleman and uh, Paul Heyman in their respective corners, or is this just one-on-one? I'm down with Whippleman and Heyman. That's fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, he also adds, Alex, you'll like this. He's he's with you on the old WCW ratings says you can find some, but with great infrequency, which is very frustrating. So he will not be accepting this assignment. Ah, we were so close. Uh, He does end with he's excited to hear the WrestleMania on the Nines episode, which is this one right now. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also every Saturday we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So, again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, last email. Just a quick note from Kevin Toms. If you remember last week, he wrote in to talk about his WrestleMania dream matches. He mentioned Prime Taker versus Prime Roman Reigns. And you and I were just confirming what the Prime Taker era was. So Kevin wrote in and he confirms it was... 03 to 08, which I think that's what we said, right? Um, Were we in 04? Yeah, I have Maybe. a major beef with this. Okay, yeah, go ahead. 2003 Taker is terrible. He doesn't do anything. It's still Biker, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. And, and I'm sorry, but I am not sitting through American Badass versus Tribal Chief. No, thank you. <laughs> and actually, I take that back. I think he's what, – what did JR call the other version of him? American Red or something? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and wasn't he a little out of shape here? Or, or I, I know what, who when this is. I, I just know there's also an era here somewhere where he just looks out of shape. Well, for context, in 2003, he has a really good O2, actually. Mm-hmm. And then 2003, he's in the Rumble and gets eliminated. I think he's, he might be the last guy eliminated, actually. Okay, yeah. And then <clears throat> at WrestleMania, he's in a handicap match with Albert and Big Show. Oh, my God. Yes, I remember that. And then he does literally nothing over the summer. I think he has a match with Cena and, and wins for no discernible reason. And then he does nothing again. Until he feuds with Vince, and then he gets murdered by Kane for either the third time or fourth time at the end of the year, and then he shows back up in November in uh, March at right, right, right. As that's his O three. That's awful. That's pretty terrible. At least we were spared Nathan Jones in that WrestleMania match. Like, no, he still smart. showed up. They were smart enough to get cut cut him loose. <sighs> I yeah, just, he shows up, but not for, like, the formal match. No. He wrestled for that uh, World Wrestling All-Stars with Jeff Jarrett and Sting mm. and all those guys. He's not any good. Just he's so terrible. You, no. no. He's Physically impressive, but that's it. 
Uh, that's it for emails, but that was a boatload of emails. We appreciate everyone writing in um, and uh, look forward to uh, next week. Yes, thank you very much, everybody. So let's get into the issue here with all of that kind of stuff out of the way. The cover story. And again, I I think we should save the rants for the end, but if you can't help yourself, I totally understand. Even though I, I think that you hate this a lot less than I do. But whatever. You know, just a preview. Watching this back, I don't know if that's accurate, what you just said. This is freaking terrible. It took it took a rewatch after all these years to realize that yeah. this is one of the worst things ever. It's terror. It's truly out. I mean, I, like you said, I knew it was bad, but like this is. I'm trying to watch it with different eyes, which is actually one of the fun things we do here, because we're trying to like explain this to each other, others obviously listening, and just have a different lens on this stuff that we've been watching forever. And this is the perfect event to kind of encapsulate that. I'll pause there because we'll talk so more. Bad. That's it. Yeah. So this is from Wade. In an unprecedented turn of events, Hulk Hogan left Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas Sunday night, April 4th, as the WWF champion. Hogan teamed with Beefcake halfway through WrestleMania and defeated Money Inc. by disqualification. After he posed for over five minutes, it seemed that would be the last anyone would see of him that day. Instead, Hogan returned to the ring just seconds after Mr. Fuji threw salt into Bret Hart's eyes. Hart, the champion going into WrestleMania, had the sharpshooter on Yokozuna when Fuji threw the salt. Yokozuna quickly covered the blinded Hart for the win. When Hogan came to protest the crowning of Yokozuna as champion, Fuji challenged Hogan to an immediate match with the title on the line. Hart... As Hogan checked on him outside the ring, waved his arms, and encouraged Hogan to accept the challenge issued by Fuji. Hogan entered the ring, Yokozuna grabbed him, Fuji threw the salt, Hogan ducked, and Yokozuna got salt in his eyes. A clothesline, a leg drop, and a referee three count later, a new WWF champion was crowned two minutes and six seconds after the last new champion was crowned. Hogan then posed as WrestleMania went off the air. Shocking. Hogan leaving WrestleMania as champion was an outcome predicted by no one leading up to WrestleMania, and his reign may not last long or even be officially recognized. McMahon and Savage, on the following day's broadcast of Monday Night Raw, spoke about an investigation Jack Tunney was planning to conduct to see whether Hogan can illegally be recognized as champion. I would like to point out here that since it's Tunney's look into this, nothing will come of it. Because Hogan clearly paid Tunney off like 10 years ago. <laughs> right. Even though he always seems to complain about Tunney, like every turn he has the opportunity to. But he benefits every single time. Oh, always. Going back to the last time Tunney got involved with him, um, he was stripped of the title because of the thing with, with Taker, but he got preferential treatment for the Rumble where they could only come in between 20 and 30. Somehow, Taker came in at 20, and Hogan ended up coming in at 27. And then, after Hogan didn't win the Rumble anyway, he still was awarded the WrestleMania title match that he then had to turn down. Yeah, even though Sid was the second man, second to last man of the ring, and Hogan screwed him over by basically distracting him for the elimination. And, yes, and also helped illegally eliminate him. 
Yep, absolutely. There's going to be a lot more of this, so if you don't like Hogan bashing, I would suggest fast-forwarding to the end of the show. (laughs) Or just next week's show, I don't know. Yeah, that might We have a lot of archives. (laughs) (laughs) Watch us listen to one of those. Pick one that uh, Hogan's not in. (laughs) If Hogan is stripped of title recognition, the belt would either go back to Yokozuna, back to Hart, or be held up, with the first option being the most likely. A series of rematches with both Hogan and Hart chasing WWF champion Yokozuna at house shows would probably be the best business move for the WWF. Hogan, who, according to several sources, was the one who insisted on the instant double title change, might insist on retaining champion status until he decides to lead the WWF again, perhaps this time after a retirement match. So now to the other story that's in this that we really haven't talked about. Hogan was sporting a black eye and deteriorated physique compared to past appearances. The physique can be easily explained, but how he got the black eye was subject to speculation, most of which attributed it to a water skiing accident. Anything on that? No, I mean, the rumors over the years, I think what you just said and what Wade reported ends up being accurate, right? It's like water skiing accident or something to that effect but there was like other rumors over the years and the biggest one being randy savage punched him out um for i think just some not inappropriate necessarily but just like him being involved and his wife being involved with elizabeth and uh him being angry about that i think i have that right at least i'm paraphrasing but i think that's the gist of it well the allegation, and I actually think this has been um, confirmed at one time or another, but Liz at one point, like, disappeared on Savage. Right. Which I think was the prior year, though, 92. Yeah, I think that was significantly before this. I, I yeah. do think you're right about that. Because the other problem with the whole Savage punched him is that, like, people know where Savage was. And I don't even think they were in the same state. So it's like next to impossible. Right, right. But apparently Liz like disappeared on Savage at some point. And when he found her, she had been partying and staying with Hogan and Hogan's wife. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. take what you will from that. But anybody who's watched their television show that aired, I don't know, 15 years ago, I'm sure everyone can understand what the implication would be in that situation. Moving on. Anything else on that first part before we get into some WF news? No, the only thing I'm just confused now that I'm seeing, I think the cover story says... Hogan and Beefcake beat Money Inc. by DQ, but they actually lose by DQ because it gets overturned. Oh, yeah, they do lose. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all. But no, nothing else. So the first thing here is why Hogan won the title. And this is from Wade. According to reports, Hogan demanded the title in the days leading up to the show. Um, I'm pretty confident that that has been somewhat debunked over time. Hogan actually said in his book that this was his idea. 
and other people have said it was Vince's idea. So it's kind of a who you believe thing. Um, I'm kind of surprised Hogan's the one who said it was his idea. I would just assume he would put it on Vince. You, you would think that. You know? Yeah. There, there's a whole thing in here, too, about them going to talk to Brett and all this kind of stuff. Basically, there's a lot of stuff that happens between Brett and Hogan between now and June, July-ish. Yeah, Brett has a lot in this book. And I haven't read that in a while, so I can't like speak to it at the moment. But I do know Brett speaks a lot about this. And I think we'll talk about this later. But, you know, there is uh, talk about what will happen after the show and the promises to Brett about that. Yeah, and again, some of that is <clears throat> we get into the what was actually said and what people think they heard, et cetera, et cetera. But again, I don't know if we'll get in that today, but it, down the down the road, that's definitely going to come up in the next, I don't know, three months or so. Apparently, Patterson was struggling against the title win for Hogan, which makes a lot of sense. Um, Bruce Pritchard has stated on his podcast numerous times and just hammers home that they wanted Hogan to be champion to go on the European tour. Um, that's been kind of debunked as false because Hogan does not go on the European tour immediately following WrestleMania, which is, I think, two weeks from the time we're in right now. And yeah, yeah, that's the sorry, go ahead. Well, he does eventually go to Europe, but it's in like July. I was just and, gonna say that, yeah. Yeah, without spoiling anything, um it kind of defeats the purpose of giving him the title here if he's not mm -hmm. gonna go there till July. Right. Yep. Without exactly. saying what happens. Exactly, exactly. Um uh, Monday's Raw had Vincent Savaging Savage questioning whether Jack Tunney would strip Hogan of the title. We touched on that a little bit before. The King of the Ring pay-per-view in June could be the tournament to crown a new champion if the title does not go right back to Yokozuna. This got me thinking. If they did this, would the King of the Ring had ha have had different meaning going forward? Probably, and actually I would add to that question, would it have different participants in it? Now, we don't have to spoil who's in it yet, but I would just think you would want to pack that more than it ends up being. Um, but to your question, back to your question, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, you're setting a nice precedent with um, a brand new pay-per-view. And actually, instead of giving someone a crown and a cape, you're giving them the world title. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Do you remember when Hulk Hogan shocked the world and formed the New World Order? Or when Stone Cold Steve Austin passed out on the sharpshooter to Bret the Hitman Hart? I'm Torch contributor Frank Pettiani, and I've reviewed these shows and many more for my exclusive VIP podcast, Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back 10, 20, even 30 years, review pay-per-views from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what took place then to what what is taking place now. You get exclusive access to these and other podcasts as part of your PW Torch VIP membership, which is compatible with the Apple Podcasts app. Visit pwtorch.com slash govip for details and sign up for them. I, you know, you brought that up about the participants. Um, I think, I think a lot of them would stay the same. What I do think would change is obviously Yoko would be in it. So there's one yeah. minor change. Yeah. Um, which th- that literally could just change the final. Like you could swap out one person for yeah. Yoko and everything Probably. else could basically go the same way. Probably. Yeah. <clears throat> and this is going to sound really dumb, but I would not be shocked had they thrown in like a Taker Giant Gonzalez match that goes to a no contest to uh, give somebody a buy. Yeah, that's a great that's a great idea. And actually, uh, in addition to all that, which I, I think that makes sense, would Hogan be in it? Uh, maybe. Yeah. And like, maybe, here's a maybe. thought. Would Hogan potentially because they kind of did this. With, I'm thinking about WrestleMania four. Would Hogan and Yoko be in the first round, like facing off? Yeah, maybe. Like that's guaranteeing that match. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. So now booking it from there, I don't know, but th- like that's not a bad start at least. Well, funny enough, the rest of that card might not change very much. Nah, maybe not. There's one guy that comes to mind that I would just go maybe two actually that I'd cut loose. Um, but in retrospect, though, what Wade's setting he's saying here, I mean, it's almost as if they made all this happen to make King of the Ring a thing that you know leads to a world title uh, win. And yet they just didn't do that at all. It's just it's just a random tournament. No, and it takes three years. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't even think that was a stipulation. I think it's just what happened. I usually right for like a number one contender. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, usually just the way it happens. Well, I think it only happened twice, though. Yeah, it's not consistent at all. So, I mean, <laughs> Stone Cold ends up being in the pre-show at uh, SummerSlam. After he wins. Yeah, he doesn't do anything for... He doesn't even get a title match for almost a year. Right, right. So, the the reason I bring it up is because the Royal Rumble was kind of a thing. Like, it it was there, but it didn't really mean much. And then the 92 Rumble happened, and it was for the title. And then all of a sudden, the next year, the winner gets a title shot at WrestleMania, and now it's this huge thing, right? Right. Yeah. So it just makes you wonder if the trajectory of the King of the Ring ends up different had the first one gone slightly differently. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know if they're not going to be able to do that every year, obviously, but you're right. I mean, maybe there's um, because you set a precedent. Maybe they do kick in 
year two and on where it's number one contender or something along those lines. Uh, moving on, there is legit heat between Hogan and Savage and Hogan and Hart. Uh, no surprises there. Did you notice that? I mean, maybe it's in your notes, so we don't have to spoil it now. But did you notice the commentary on Savage's part ever, like, leaning anti-Hogan? Um, not really. Uh, I, th- I do have some, like, tidbits about his commentary. But if there is anything negative Hogan, I did not pick up on it. Okay, I didn't either, and I never really, never noticed it. So if anyone does, let us know. But like a backhanded comment, just email us torchpasscast at gmail. Uh, other brief notes on Mania: Heenan gave a nod to Wally Carbo by saying there'd be fines and suspensions after the Taker and Giant Gonzalez match. That's Fairly. a great little tidbit. Now that we know, right? Oh yeah, who Wally Carbo is? Yeah. Yeah, sure. that's cool. That's very cool. Barely any ads for the show in Vegas, aside from uh, Caesar's Palace itself. That's a lost opportunity. I mean, geez. Could you imagine them ever doing that now? Never. Never miss an opportunity like that now. Never. Do you think, and I'm just literally just thinking about this now, do you think there was like a stipulation on Caesar's part where like they only could be associated with it? Just because, you know, all the... um, Casinos are, you know, obviously uh, competitors. Like, is a D, is that a possibility, or is it just like WWE or WWF, like just completely uh, missed the boat here? It could be a little bit of both. Like, I get why they couldn't advertise it at other casinos, but that doesn't stop you from putting up a banner in the right the, uh, airport. Right. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, I remember when we went to WrestleMania in um, New York, New Jersey, a few years ago. When we flew in and got off the plane, there was a giant poster with Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins and Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch staring me right in the face. Nice. Well, like in the airport. Yeah. Like you could not go anywhere without knowing that it was coming kind of thing. Yeah, sure. The Toga Party theme was a flop as not many people in attendance were wearing them. Uh, probably because they didn't actually buy tickets or want to watch this show. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, well, actually, I was blindfolded. They did put one on me, so I'm one of the few. <laughs> you were sitting behind Todd Pettengill. <laughs> yeah. Tito beat Papa Shango in the dark match. Uh, Tito extended his WrestleMania appearance streak, which is really funny that that's mentioned here, because I'm pretty confident this is the last one. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's Has he been in all nine at this point? Yes. Yeah. I'm almost positive he opens up WrestleMania 1. Outside of Hogan, is he the only one? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, not for wrestling, for wrestlers, rather. You know, of course, um, uh, you know, Monsoon, for example, or, you know, people like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's pretty cool little trivia, right? I was going to say, who had that on their bingo card? Tito Santana and Hulk Hogan. Definitely. And both streaks are broken. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hogan comes back, but not. it's obviously not in a row. Oh, no, it takes quite a while. Uh, time constraints cut the Kamala and Bigelow match, which is probably for the best. Some are speculating that Jim Ross's hiring and the lack of Gorilla Monsoon on WrestleMania will cause resentment from Bobby Heenan. 
Yeah, Wade also added, I think, um, there's no signs of this in commentary. Again, I didn't pick up on that either. It actually never even crossed my mind. No. I know Jim Ross has said, like, Heenan was one of the few, and I think, I'm sorry, um, I meant to say Monsoon, but also Heenan, but he, he has said Monsoon was one of the few, and maybe, like, the main voice of, um, like, pro-Ross, you know, uh, he was very in favor of Jim Ross and was telling others to kind of cool it on him. And that, yeah, and that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, no. All, all exactly. things considered, it doesn't surprise me. And we'll talk about this when we talk about the show, but I'm sure Monsoon was ready to move on. Yeah, yeah, we can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> uh, some TV format changes. Vince suggesting new syndicated format changes for the 1990s. Uh, Sean Mooney has left voluntarily. Do you remember what job he got? I heard this recently, and now I'm totally blanking on it. <clears throat> um, right after this, no, but it's funny because when I was probably in the late 90s, I was just channel surfing at my parents' house, and uh, he was the the news reporter on like a local. Um, I live near the Philly area, but I don't know what. I guess we picked up a New York station. He was on the. He was like the anchor of the news. Okay, so I I think. What I heard recently was that he got a job as a newscaster, and that yeah. was what he always actually wanted to do. So maybe that's the station he got a job with. Maybe. Unless he got a job yeah. at a good station and then got fired or something like yeah, I mean, news and got fired. He might have moved around a lot, too. They do that. But yeah. I think when I saw him, I think it was like News 9. Someone confirmed that for me. Out of New York. interesting. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. What was his name? Because I don't think Sean Mooney was his actual name. No, it? I think that's his name. Yeah, Sean Mooney. I'm going to check out now, yeah. Yep. I mean, according to this, Sean Edmund Mooney, according to Wikipedia. Then where did they get the Ian from for that one time? I don't know. Yeah. Just like a goofy side thing. (laughs) Uh, WCW was said to be interested, but he's not interested, as Mooney was burned out of doing event center promos for eight hours a day, five days a week. Um, Not to bag on Sean Mooney, but that sounds awesome. (laughs) that's good that does sound pretty good that does Uh, sound good some random notes before we go to WCW Uh, Mike Shaw known as Norman the Lunatic started on April 5th no spoiling what character he's going to be Ron and Don Harris also started this month uh, so we're really trying to bolster that tag team division again not going to spoil what gimmick they're going to have and Repo Man is through with the company. Also, not going to spoil where he goes and what gimmicks <laughs> he has. Gimmicks. <laughs> uh, I the mean Ron the first and, one, but yes. Yeah, yeah. The Ron and Don Harris thing is interesting because what you're talking about doesn't actually happen for a little bit longer. So I don't know. This is just a blip. Maybe they don't actually catch on, but I guess we'll see. Uh, I think they have a different name before the gimmick you're thinking of. Uh, but that doesn't happen until... I. Th- yeah, it doesn't happen until like another year and a half. Again, I think they I I think there's another gimmick in here. Okay. I it's stuck in my head that they have some random other thing. Okay, yeah. I don't think it, <clears throat> to your point, I do not think it lasts long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anything else on the WWF before we get into WCW news? No, I don't think so. Um, there was some more. I didn't have all the notes on this one, but 
if anyone's interested, there's a little bit more write up on the TV format changes that, uh, you know, you spoke about. Wade goes into more detail, not a ton, but a little bit more. I thought it was interesting. I just I, we didn't we didn't note it here. Uh, two seconds. I will fix that problem. Oh, look at you. All right, so. Oh, hang on one second. Okay, so <clears throat> some of the changes would be how house shows are advertised. McMahon's idea is apparently that the stand-up promo interviews were in style in the 70s. The chroma key event centers were in style and state-of-the-art in the 80s. And he wants to come up with a new style of promoting house shows for the 1990s. With Sean Mooney's recent voluntary departure from the WF announcing team, the door is open for a new look as it is. So, yeah, that's it, really. Um, that's interesting, though, because it's a clear turning point from... And Mooney, his departure is perfect timing. I don't know if it's because he left or it's, like I said, perfect timing, but... Tell me, how did they change it in the 90s? Like, I'm trying to think, because I thought they kept the event centers for a little bit longer. Uh, I think they do. I think they're hosted by um, Mean Gene, aren't they? I think so. Yeah, because they're definitely not hosted by Pettengill. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. They wouldn't let them do that. Yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think. Obviously, they start doing some of the video packages somewhat soon. Mm Mm-hmm. Pettengill doing the voiceovers. There's some other random things, but it's hard to think of any major changes they make until like 95, 96. Right, right. When, when like superstars and their syndicated shows are definitely second tier and Rawls clearly number one. Yeah, and they turn into you know? more cap based shows. Yeah. Right, right. That was it. That was it. For the WCW, we're going to keep this really short and sweet. Jim Brunzel is being brought in for Slamboree as a favor to Greg Gagne. Slam Meet and Slam Fest are two events the weekend of Slamboree. Okay, real quick. Slam Fest, it's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Slam Meet is truly terrible. <laughs> it's it's spelled S-L-A-M-M-E-E-T. So it's two M's, all one word, Slam Meet. Like they couldn't even make it like slam meat as in like like M E A T, you know? I, I was hoping you would say that. I was gonna ask <laughs> if that would be better. It would be better. Still terrible, but <laughs> and random notes. There's said to be backstage turmoil between Dusty and Oli. Uh no surprises there. And Vader missed a most recent house show due to illness. Yeah, not much WCW news. Yeah, that's pretty much it. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. Oh.
before we do WrestleMania 9 review, as promised and as our email stated, this is the WrestleMania on the 9s episode. I have skipped through your notes, and I'm mad at you that you put it in the notes because I saw your first one. But it's uh, okay. I'm sorry. Because yeah, I you know what? Before pretty much we recorded. Yeah, before we recorded, I uh, I thought about that. I thought you might see it, and I, <clears throat> I was kicking myself for that. But So, a quick recap. We did WrestleMania on the 8s last year. We ranked every WrestleMania that has an 8 in it. So, 8, 18, 28, and 38. At number 4, we both agreed with WrestleMania 28. We did not agree on anything else. <laughs> Patrick had 38 at 3. I had 8. At number two, Patrick had 18, and I had 38. And at number one, I had 18, and Patrick had eight. So totally different last year. The reason I bring that up is because I think this year we are going to be the same. Yeah, I have a funny feeling about that, too. It's really not a funny feeling. I I, I definitely suspect that. Um, There might be one we have different. But I, I think our top two will be the same. Yeah. Which is kind of ironic once you hear what my number two is. <laughs> um, do you want to go backwards, like four to one or what? Yes, of co- okay. course. Of course, yes. All right. So I'm happy to go first or you want to do the, the honors? Nope, go first. All right. So my number four, WrestleMania 29. I have to bring up the card again because I was shocked at how putrid this card was. I mean, this one is um, uh, main evented by Cena defeating The Rock. So it's, this is their, it's like 24 minutes. This is the rematch from the prior year. So like that is fine. Like I'm okay on that with that on paper. But you also have people like The Miz over Wade Barrett in the dark match. The Shield being used to, to go against Big Show, Orton and Sheamus, like big deal. Mark Henry over Ryback. Daniel Bryan, you know, I know people like this gimmick, but it was, he, it was the era of him and Kane or Biggie and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Fandango actually beating Chris Jericho. I think that's pretty infamous at this point. I, I won't go on and on, but like the other thing that struck me too is Brock Lesnar loses by pinfall over, you know, by Triple H. So like you got, this is, this is pitiful. Only nine matches. I mean, that's fine. I guess digestible. Um, the longest match, actually, the last two matches are exactly the same, at least according to Wikipedia. So, of course, Triple H has to have a, a just as long as match, uh, you know, a long match of uh, as John Cena and The Rock. Um, it's awful. Uh, I'll stop there, but I don't know. There's nothing more to say about it. So, you glossed over the one good match on the card. I kind of did that on purpose for effect. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So it's funny you say this because I I was not going to put this last until I rewatched the one that we just watched. And I, I wasn't going to put it last because I thought Taker and Punk was strong enough just to overcome everything on my third one. Mm-hmm. But I have to put this last because I paid for this piece of crap. <laughs> I love that's why. That's great. <laughs> like I paid for this, and and you brought up the Triple H Brock thing, and I, I'm really glad you hate that. 
That was part of the reason I paid for this. I, yeah, I'm sure. Oh. I'm sure. I mean, that is a great point. This is still in the era pre-network. I think, what, two WrestleManias later is the network? Was like uh, one more the following is one. The following oh, is it 30? One. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is the last one. Even better. Like, that makes it even more obnoxious, right? So there's no reason why they uh, they couldn't put a better card. I mean, you're putting good talent on here. You're just mixing with even crappy scenarios. And there's a theme here because we both had 28 last last year. Uh, 28 and 29, both bad. Both yeah. headlined by the same match, which is yeah. fun. Yeah. 27 it's, too, but I know we're not doing those. Well, 27 is worse than both of these. Yeah, yeah. But... Is this worse than 28 or slightly better? Um, hmm. Let me bring up 28. Just bear with me. Let's see. I'm going to scan some of this. So we get, of course, Rock over Cena in 28. Punk over Jericho. 22 minutes there. Oh my gosh, there's a 12 man tag. I didn't really have to talk about that, but that's like third from the top. Taker, okay, take, I remember this now. Taker over Triple H and then Hell in the Cell. That took forever. That was like 30 minutes. Um, Looking at the card, I'm probably more pumped up by, like, if I was looking at this on paper, I'm more pumped up by 28 than 29. Oh, see, I disagree with you entirely. Really? Yeah. Well, because like the first time you're seeing Rock, I'm not even pretending to know what the the results are. Like, if you're telling me this is the first time I'm going to see Rock play uh, go against Cena, Punk and Jericho, Undertaker and Triple H again in this era in a Hell in a Cell, like those are things that I'm more intrigued by. Yeah, I get it. It's just using that logic, I see where you're coming from, but. The the Taker Triple H Hell in a Cell I think is like the most overrated thing. It's terrible. Oh no, you're right. It's terrible. It's so it's, um so Triple H. It's the longest thirty minute match I've ever sat through. Like if I didn't know any better, I would tell you that that match is twice as long as the Iron Man with Sean and Brett. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. Yes. Like no, you you're tell me right. the finish to that was on Wednesday, and I would believe you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Eleven years later, <laughs> <laughs> no wonder. Oh, never mind. It's still <laughs> on, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's actually happening. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Uh, sh- all right. Number three. It sounds like we both agree here, but the card yeah. we're about to review, WrestleMania Nine, is here. I already commented on this earlier, but I do give you know one shout out. Uh, actually, two shout outs, and I'll just try to do positives here because we're gonna trash it in a second. Um, like I said before, at least they try a theme here. Like they try to make it big. It's WrestleMania. They kind of, you know, whether you like the theme or not is a different story. Um, and then of course, you know, like, uh, Scott had said, Hogan coming back, even though we know what happened was, it was a big deal. Like that, that was a big deal. So those are, I'm going to just stop with positives or start really and, and end with positives there. But WrestleMania nine comes in third. Um, I like it better than 29 because of Doink. Uh, I really like the Luger entrance. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Brett's probably a better wrestler than everybody on 29. Yeah, even Sean at this point, I think. Sean's not on it. Oh, 29. Yeah. Oh, Brett's, yeah, yeah. Brett's probably a better wrestler than anybody who's on WrestleMania 29. Oh, that's a, Wow, okay. I'm, I'm always going to be in favor of that. And I, I, and there's some fun stuff. I mean, <clears throat> and yeah, the theme does help. God, 29 is just really bad. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't say this, but like, just it's nostalgia, you know. It's that wins some credibility with me, and I'm sure a lot of people out there. So, it also helps that I didn't pay sixty dollars for this. At sure. Yeah. Exactly. So that's super helpful. <laughs> wow, was it really sixty bucks? Yes. It's been so long. It's like oh, brutal. Um, number two, I'm gonna let you talk more about it because I didn't watch all of it, but I just know like. WrestleMania 39 this year. I called out night one specifically. Um, I like, I think I said this last week, they had a really good number of well done storylines built building to this show and climaxing at the show. Um, and then of course, night two, Cody losing is always a plus for me. So I'll leave it there to let you uh, go on a little bit more. Your third point's my favorite one. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Um, yeah. Night one is probably the best show this year so far i'm still fighting with myself whether i I liked last year's night one better than this year's it's kind of a funny thing because they're in like this weird pattern now where roman's on night two Mm, so they don't really like try (laughs) right right (laughs) it's 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 just a weird thing because night two has the epic finale of roman reigns and night one just blows it out of the water from start to finish. Like it's just significantly a better show. Um, but this year, maybe the best match of both nights is on night two plus Roman. So that helps. And it's just, it was just well done. I mean, the theme worked really well to the last thing we talked about with nine and, you know, I think the right person won in the end. And I think at the end of the day, and this is what you really talk about with these manias when you want to rank them. And it's why I think we have the same one for number one. The more memorable they are, it tends to be a better show. Um, that also might be why nine is above 29, because it's mm-hmm. it's more memorable. Mm-hmm. Whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons, like 29 is one of those ones that kind of gets lost in the shovel. And yeah. it's like, unless yeah. I look it up, it's like, oh, that was... Punk and Taker, I think, and Rock and Cena too, right? But you could tell me what else was on the rest of it. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's just kind of one of those weird ones. Um, I don't think 39 will end up that way. I think it'll be pretty well remembered. Yeah, no, well said. Well said. Um, number one, sounds like we both agree here. WrestleMania 19. This one is so awesome. I mean... I think it rebounds well from 18. Um, not that 18 is bad or terrible, but I, I just know, you know, 17 is like for many people, the pinnacle of WrestleManias and 19, um, I think gets kind of really close. And there's just four matches. I just call out specifically and kind of sums up why this is such a great show. Brock versus angle in the main event, Hogan Vince, whether you like either of them or thought they were past their prime, like this is the first real time we see them go one one that was fun uh, hbk and jericho of course is a great match and then of course 
your boy Austin retiring against The Rock, their uh, third and final main event on WrestleMania, or you know, co-main event at least at this point. So, I mean, that's just four of the main matches, and obviously much more to, to go. Mm-hmm. Um, not including the Undertaker against uh, who was it, Albert, and who's yeah, oh, Big Show. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Um, and then just the feel of it. I like the uh, feel of uh, Safeco Field, which I know is T-Mobile now in Seattle. Um, just a cool vibe all around. So uh, I think this is a clear-cut winner here. Oh, by by, I, w- I would say by a mile, but 39 was really good. Um, this actually would have been a lot easier had 39 not just happened. But 19 is one of those ones that stands the test of time. Yeah. Hogan Vince kind of is what it is. Yeah. But I do like the story they tell. <clears throat> I don't think it's as good as Hogan and Shane, or sorry, Vince and Shane from a couple years before. But I do like it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Brock and Angle, had it had the ending it was supposed to, probably goes down as an all timer. Um, but the awkward moment at the end kind of ruins it. It uh, yeah you're right it does but it's yeah yeah scary scary moment. Um, Rock and Austin really 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 good. Um, not their best of the three, but easily second. Um, and nobody really knew it at the time, but obviously this is Austin's last match for 19 years. And HBK Jericho is hilarious because any other card, like any of the other three shows on this list. It's probably the best match on the card, and here it's not. That's how good the show is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's that sums it up. That's how good a show can be if you are burying <laughs> unintentionally like one of the best matches because there's just so many great matches. There's some other weird stuff here too. Um, Ray and Matt Hardy is on this this show. I almost called that out. Yeah, that it. Yeah, um, that there's. There's like a weird tag title match with um, the Guerreros and uh, World's Greatest Tag Team mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. here. Yep. There, there's um, just some other random stuff. Uh, there's also the Miller Lite cat fight thing. That's <laughs> on this. Oh, I forgot about that. Never mind. This is four. <laughs> <laughs> Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Um, the one thing too about the uh, Hogan, and we didn't call this out, um, was the Piper's edition, which I thought was a nice touch too for the time. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, That's cool. I haven't seen this one in a long time. It's same. Yeah, I was just thinking that same. You you said something at the beginning though that you think this is close to seventeen. Um, is this in like your top five? Maybe? No, maybe I misspoke. But I, what I was trying to say was, I think they take a dip in eighteen a little bit from a card perspective. Obviously, people go to Rock and um, Hogan, so I'm not trying to downplay that. Um, 
the grandeur is still there, but I just feel like this like brings them back a little bit closer to what 17 was. 18 almost feels like a copy of 17, but just not as good. So I always kind of, you know, take it down a few notches mentally. <clears throat> yeah, and the problem with 18, too, is you have Hunter and Jericho and a thing nobody cares about. Yep, yep exactly. You, you have a random Edge, Booker T, Kane, Kurt Angle um austin scott hall like all that stuff is yes. weird super weird exactly 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 and that main event clearly somebody made a mistake because that was not the main event and shouldn't have closed the show no that show would have been a lot more interesting had it been angle and triple h and um hogan and austin but you know whatever yeah yeah but yeah that's what i was getting at i'd, I'd have to think a little bit more about how i would rank like what my top five are um, three and six are just big favorites of mine, and I would put them in there somewhere, but I, I don't know about ranking in orders yet. You know, we should do that at some point just for fun. You just brought up 18, and uh, we're kind of bagging on it, but I actually like that show. I don't think it's that bad. And <clears throat> I've always thought that the best five WrestleManias in a row, where none of them are terrible, mm-hmm. is 17 through 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And this kind of falls smack dab in there. I do think you're right as far as th- those five are, are right right on. I do think, um, and, and I'll even narrow it down to three, because 17, 18, and 19 are really, like, just a strong yeah, core three. Yeah, but 20 is really good. It's good. I, you know, no, I'm not going to bash it for the card. I think what I'm thinking about is the... Um, I used the word before, but grandeur of it, just like how big it feels. And they have to knock it down a little bit because it's an MSG. That aside, though, I'm with I'm with you. I don't I'm not I'm not hardly disagreeing with you. I just think about like some of the other ones, like five to ten. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Most of them are pretty good, but nine's in there and seven is, meh. you know, right. Or, right. You know, even ten to fifteen. Like, eh. No, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You can pick a few in here and there, but I think those five you called out are damn good. Are you ready for WrestleMania 9? <sighs> well, seeing as though I'm watching it in the background again for some stupid reason, sure. Why not? Okay. So here's how we're going to do this um, I'll let you start, and then I'll run through the matches with the result. You're going to go first, except for one. Okay. And when we get there, I'll let you know, and I'm going to explain the whole match to you, and then you're <laughs> going to answer a question, and then you can go. Okay. I already forgot the rules, but just tell me when not to talk. Uh, okay. You go so first every time, except for once. That's <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Easy enough. Okay. So this is how I'm going to set up, sum up the show, but I'll continue to uh, give my feedback. Is it bad when the first, like, five seconds of the show are the best part of the show? Because (laughs) I cannot stress to you enough how much I absolutely love the short video opener. It's, like, the all, like, 3D animation of, like, outside Caesar's Palace. It makes it feel like, wow, we're going inside Caesar's Palace. You see Yokozuna and Brett on, like, the big screen. It's great. It's so cool. They have, like, cool little, um, I don't know if it's, like, techno music or whatever it is, some cool beat going on. 
it makes it feel like you're just gonna like just adore the show and then you see they're outside in like a parking lot and you're like what the hell is going on i don't know how much people paid i assume maybe like 40 bucks maybe 50 but it just you lose that feeling in that short five seconds of that opening video so let me pause there does that video does am i like a nut job am i the only person that like adores this little opener no they make it feel like a big deal really quick on on that topic is at this time is the person that owns caesar's palace the same person that owned the place they did four and five or am i misremembering that no he never owned this one this was he owned um the the one that um i don't think he owned this one i think he only owned the one in um ac atlantic city got it okay i could be wrong but i know he i know he owned the one in atlantic city i just don't know if he ever owned this one i just wanted to make sure because that would make sense how they got a deal on it kind of thing yeah 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 no but no the video is great the only there the only thing is it's a little cheesy, but other than that, really good. Yeah. Yeah. For the time, I think it's like very good. Now it comes off a little cheesy, but I just love it. Okay. So moving on, then we see a cut to the crowd. Um, then we quickly go to Gorilla, who is in a toga. Um, it's a shame because, you, you, you know, you joked about this last week, but you're right. He's ready to get the hell out of there. I mean, he just like rushes through the opener, says hello. They call him the host, right? Uh, and then he he cuts to Jr. or throws it to Jr. Um, I want to talk about Gorilla a little bit later because I forgot he actually comes back briefly. Um, where do you think? So the joke is he was either, I guess it's not a joke. I shouldn't say this is a joke, but he was either really sick, apparently, or the joke is he was ready to just like go to the casinos. Do we know? Has anyone talked about this? No, Is they, one of them accurate. They tow the company line and say he was, he didn't feel well. But if that was true, he wouldn't be there. Yeah, and that would that's what throws me off. He comes back and does another like quick stand up as well. There, if he's that sick, like, is this show different without him on it? No, no, not at all. Like you would never notice. Like the it's only nice people to see him. Other than that, it's yeah. But the only people that would be like, oh, Gorilla's not here, is us. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's about it. But in my headcanon, when he does the introduction at the beginning, <clears throat> I imagine that the women that come to the ring with Lex Luger are standing behind the camera with uh, cards and drinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, so it's really cool to see Jim Ross here. I mean, we literally, it's fun to do this show for many reasons, but one that struck me now was we were just talking about him in WCW. Like this is like days removed from him still working for that company. So it's cool to know that again, like how closely, uh, this either couldn't have happened maybe potentially, or the fact that he was working for the other company like last week, basically. Um, I absolutely love Randy Savage's gear. I think that would have been a really nice, um, if he was actually working this show, like really cool, um, traditional, uh, not traditional, but like, um, classic ring gear. And I know you're a figures guy too, but like I, we, they've never sold a figure of him in that gear. Have they? 
No, and I was actually thinking I wish they would because <clears throat> looking at it closer, he is wearing wrestling gear. He could have wrestled yep. in that. Yep, exactly. Exactly. It's really well done. I won't even like try to describe it because just go watch. Um, the other thing too, I'm watching, I'm re- I rewound to the beginning again as I'm talking. And did you notice Cleopatra? I think it's a different Cleopatra from the Rumble. Uh, yeah, they probably had 17 of them. <laughs> yeah. It's the same Caesar though, but she well, probably one bailed. of him. There's only one of him. Yep. Um, what did you think of the opener? Just the opener with all the patentry and everyone coming out. Like, is that it? Was that overdone? Was it just take too long? Like, usually as a kid, I just fast forwarded through this part, but I, you know, purposely watched this time around. No, I, I like it. Um, I always kind of did when I was, even when I was a kid and I had this tape, but what I like and appreciate more as an adult is the juxtaposition of savages just yes, yes, lavish yes. deal and aren't there women like feeding him grapes yep, yep, yep. and like the whole deal he just comes out like this king you know macho king whatever mm-hmm. like that stuff <clears throat> and then heenan immediately follows and he's the wrong way <laughs> on the the thing and he's freaking out wants to get all off and yeah. like it's just that's what I appreciate more as an adult. And it, it's fine. Like, it, I don't care that it takes a while. It kind of is what it is. And to what you said before, it it does make it feel like a bigger deal. It does. It absolutely does. From that perspective, I liked it a lot. Um, I'm watching Savage get in the ring right now. And just, like, the reaction he's getting, even with the audio off, like, it's a shame he wasn't on the card. They, they missed the boat here. Um, the other few comments, and then we can... I'm interested in what you have to say, obviously. Um, Jim Ross says there's 16,000 people there, which that isn't shocking if you're watching this, but what a fall from grace this is. I mean, usually they bloat. Obviously, we know this a lot. I mean, they they bloat the attendance numbers, but there's no way to balloon this one up. I mean, this is this is clearly, and I don't know, maybe 16,000 was ballooning it, but um, it's just a shame, isn't it? Um, See... Yes and no. And I, I alluded to this a little bit last week, but if you look at this WrestleMania financially, it's and we'll get the pay-per-view numbers in a couple of weeks. I'm not talking about that. At the gate and financially at the arena, this WrestleMania did very, very well. And before well, anybody when says, you're renting out a parking lot, it's pretty easy to do that. Uh, yes, but the <laughs> other part of this is when there's less people there, the ticket prices for this show were significantly higher. On top of that, the casino paid for a lot of the more expensive seats mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and gave them to high rollers. This was a sellout, regardless of the fact that they didn't sell the seats to actual people. Take that as a, a loss or a negative or you know fan interest, sure. whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day... You still made the money for it. So as a company, you don't really care. And I I don't know if eight is the comparison or it, I guess seven would make more sense. But like seven, there's probably more people there. I don't know offhand the attendance for seven, but I would bet you there's more people there. But I think this actually did better financially because of the ticket prices. That makes sense. 
Yeah, that does make sense. And I would guesstimate without looking, seven was probably like close to 20. Yeah, I would say, yeah, like 20 that. to 22. I would yeah, agree. Yeah. Last comment on my part for the opener is just um, I never thought about this ever. But again, because we're following both companies pretty closely um, throughout the show, this kind of gives me a WCW vibe. And I don't know if it's because Jim Ross is on commentary. I don't think it, it is, though. Like parts of this, I'm watching and I'm just thinking, like this is WCW, in a weird way. Um, I know why you think that, and it, it's a little bit Jr. because th- this sounds insensitive, but it's it's not meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. But when you think of Jr. and WWF, you think of him more with the Bell's palsy. So the fact that he doesn't have that yet does give kind of the WCW vibe. Of yeah, him. I can see that. I can see that. The but, other part of yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead on a lighter note Mm -hmm. is the fact that they're all in stupid outfits and WCW did that all the time. (laughs) That's right. It's like Halloween havoc. Yes. It's true. It's true. And then, you know, the, the turnover of the roster, you have Luger here now too, and things like that. So, uh, but that, that's my opener. Any thoughts on uh, what I said, or of course, what, what you have to say there? No, um, you do a good job with the overview because you, you care about a lot of this stuff more than I do. Um, as far as atmosphere and lighting and stuff like that. So you do a better job with that than I ever could. But I only wrote stuff down about Macho, which you asked me about, we talked about. Mm-hmm. Gorilla, because he cannot go wait to play Blackjack with the <laughs> ladies from Luger's Entrance. Um, Savage's gear you touched on already. And uh, Heenan, so I'm good. Um, cool. What's up, everybody? Peter Liu Torch, Assistant Editor Zach Haydorn here to remind you to check out my new book. It's called Stunning, The Wrestling Artistry of Steve Austin, and it's available for pre-order right now from Hybrid Shoot, the team that brought you the Shamrock Biography. This book looks at the artistry of Austin's entire career and is a must-have for wrestling fans. You can head to my Twitter page right now for details. That's at Torch. First match on the card is Shawn Michaels against Tatanka for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, We've talked about this before. This was a substitution for Jailbird Marty Jannetty. Uh, No, he's not in jail this time. He just got fired for being drunk backstage and getting into an argument with an official because he's so professional. And by the way. I'll get back to this match in a second. Did you hear the new Dark Side of the Ring season four starts um, in like May of this year? And Mari Gennetti is going to be one episode. How does he only need one episode? (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I I am assuming you've booked your interview for that episode, right? Because you have a lot to say about this guy. Oh, I would love if they contacted us for that. Yeah, so I can't wait for us. We might have to do like a special episode just to review that and do something with that. But anyway, do you do you think we can send them in just a list of Genetti jokes they can use, or would that be insensitive? <laughs> yeah, we can do that, and then we can um, add uh, some snippets from even just 1992 and all the incidents he had. Just take them from the torch. Oh, and we're not even done. Yeah, not even done. Nowhere near done. Um, but back to this match. Okay, first question for you. Should this have gone on first? Uh, yeah, it, it should have. Okay. I, I think 
Well, give me your reasons why, because I actually can probably play devil's advocate a little bit, but I'm curious. Uh, you want reasons? I, I only have one. Um, okay. Michaels. Um, whether you like it or not, other than Brett, he's probably the best worker you have right now. And I, I, I know you want to make a case for perfect, and that, that's fine. I'll listen no, to No, I don't think I would, actually. Not <clears throat> now. No, not now. Um, on top of that, after all the pageantry you just did, I don't know if you picked up on this, but during Sean's entrance, he comes off like a star. Like he looks like a big deal. Yeah, he does. With, with the yeah. entrance gear and the the song and just the whole deal, he looks like a somebody. And the only problem I have with his entrance is luna behind him which is really weird and just feels really shoehorned like it's just very odd the whole situation is weird and they they kind of tie it up towards the end because they make it seem like she's more there to screw with sherry than be with sean which i think is a good move but if i'm remembering right they hang out for a little bit Unless I'm misremembering that. See, I was going to ask you that. I don't remember them hanging out at all after this. I think this is like a one-off, but I could be wrong. Uh, I yeah, I do. Now you're making me question it. Yeah, I feel like it's super short. <clears throat> like they're not together at at uh, King of the Ring or like no, exactly. Like yeah, I agree with you to, to talk about that real quick. I mean, I always took this as he had. If you really watch, Sean doesn't really even not like acknowledge Luna at all. Um, so I don't know if it's just her coming out and just like, again, to your point, just being there for Sherry, which I, I always kind of took that to be the case, but he never really even acknowledges her, um, where I kind of, I would I'd maybe book it just a little bit and just have her come out later and attack Sherry. Yeah. And I, then the whole Sherry thing at this point seems like old news it, with, well, her, with her and Sean. It's like, it should be over by now. It's, it's old news. And it's also one of the symptoms of the Genetti situation. Right, right. Because now it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It, it's just awkward. I thought of somebody who would have worked better than Luna, and I had never thought of this before, but I, I really like it. Wouldn't Medusa have been mm. way better for this? Yeah, totally. She and fit Sean better? Totally. I was going to say, she would have fit him a lot better. She already did it for Rick Rude. I think she could have fit right into this. And she's a free agent, technically. Yeah, that yeah, would have been really like interesting. That. Yep. Um, so back to my original question, I think I, I do agree with you on paper. This is the right way. I was thinking of uh, because of the outcome of this, I almost feel like this should not have set the tone for the, the show. I think the participants are probably the right ones, like looking at the rest of the card. I'd almost make a case, though, to swap this with the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers. Because I think you can have the Steiners, like, throw around the Head Shrinkers and get the crowd going a little bit from that perspective. Um, but again, I'm kind of saying it all in retrospect with how this kind of pans out. This is a long match, too. And not, nothing really comes of it, which is my frustration. So that's kind of what my counteract to this would be. I... I get it. And the Steiner thing. Yeah, I'm fine with that. It, it's interesting you bring that up, though. Um, what, why you don't like this is because the story doesn't make sense. And, it doesn't. Yeah. And hear me out here. But the, 
for those that don't know, the story of this is that Sean has a, a previously injured shoulder or arm or something. It's one or the other. And he's like fighting with the injured arm the whole time. And Sean's the heel. So it's really awkward from that standpoint. On top of that, Tatanka got two wins over Sean recently. One of them's in a six-man tag, and the other was in a non-title match. Um, commentary actually does a really good job, and I, I, I think it's actually Savage <clears throat> who points out that this is significantly different because Sean cared less about those matches, and he cares more about this because it's for his title. Um, so that mitigates it a little bit, but it doesn't change the fact that Again, a lot of things in this are just weird. And the the Tatanka thing doesn't really help, um, which adds to the weirdness because Tatanka currently has a winning streak going on. So you can't have Sean just kick him in the face and beat him, which is probably what you, what you should do. Right, right. And, and you can't do that. So they oddly booked themselves into a corner because you don't want to beat Sean because, again... They clearly see the potential. When you watch his entrance, you could see what they see in this guy. It's very yeah, for sure. And so they, again, they kind of booked themselves into a corner. Um, there's a really cool bump by Michaels on the outside near the steps. If you kind of glance and don't watch all the way through, it actually looks like he hits his face on the steps. Um, he tries a, a a splash from the apron and misses. So for ninety three, big bump. Um, it's a weird way to do the finish at the end because the referee like gets down to count, but then taps Tatanka and tells him it's a count out or something. It's weird. Yeah, it's awkward. But my question for you kind of goes back to something you said before, and and it's in your notes. You're, you asked, why not have Tatanka win the title? And what what do you think of Tatanka here? Based on how he's yeah. being booked, is it surprising he didn't go further? Oh, and, yes. I'll just answer that real quick. Absolutely. Yeah. And hindsight being what it is, knowing everything we know now, shouldn't Sean have just beat him? In hindsight, absolutely. In the moment, I am still trying to live in that moment. I think... I'm not saying Sean should have lost here, but it, I guess it's like weird. It's like, are you asking, should Sean have lost the title here? Or am I more surprised Tatanka didn't go further? And part of that going further would beating Sean, would be beating Sean. <clears throat> um, that all said, I think if you're watching this now, Tatanka does look like a star. Yeah, He's I got agree. a good package going as far as like just his look, uh, his physique. I think uh, he works a little slow here. I think Michael's kind of works slow here, too. But he has the look down, no doubt. Um, it's funny you bring up that he works slow. Um, in Sean's book, <clears throat> he mentioned that Tatanka, uh, he and Tatanka had no story going into this. And Tatanka was really heavy um, for what that means for people who don't understand where I'm coming from is he wasn't easy to pick up because he didn't work with you as much. So it, it led to some awkward spots during this because Sean, obviously, if you watch this, Sean is significantly smaller than Tataka. Mm -hmm. And Tataka is not very helpful as a worker. No, he's not. He's not. Not from that perspective. Um, 
Yeah, so, you know, I, I know why they didn't have him win it. We know where that goes, or people that do know, they know. But, yeah, I, I, th- I just thought this was kind of a boring match, to be honest. And that's one of the reasons I was just questioning whether this should have gone on first. But here's here's something you mentioned, and I, I totally even forgot to put in my notes. We didn't talk about this, but you mentioned the steps. Now, you notice the steps are not blue. They're black. Yes. And also the poles, the ring posts, are black. And the ring ropes for the, I think the first time, at least in this era, are not red, white, and blue. They're actually black, gold, and black. This uh, it's, pretty it's awesome. Funny you bring that up because I liked this style so much. Yep. When I was a kid, I got um, I don't remember what I bought, but for some reason, I had gold ring ropes. Hmm. I don't remember why, but I also had black ones. Like any anybody who was a kid in the '90s remembers they sold ring ropes. So I had like red, blue, black, green, gold for some <laughs> reason. Yeah. And I actually made my ring like this with the black, gold, black, because I liked That's this awesome. so much. So it's funny they, you bring that up. Yeah, they and they'll bring it back next year, which is kind of cool too. If you remember this, these are the same ropes they use at ten. Yeah, they look better at ten because of the. MSG atmosphere. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this is cool. This is a nice little touch, just uh, again going in with the theme. Um, I didn't have anything else to say. I think it goes a little bit longer, just especially with the outcome kind of being lame. I think it's like 17 plus minutes. So um, that's that. Next match on the card the Steiner brothers defeat the head shrinkers. So I didn't have many notes on this because I actually kind of liked it. Um, these two teams work well together. It is a shame. I mean, I think the biggest thing, and this is, I think, it just in last week's issue, Wade calls this out. It's a shame that the whole Money, Inc. Um, tag title scenario gets caught up with Hogan and Beefcake. So the Steiners are like kind of lose out on that because I think that would have been a better showcase for them, at least from a potential title win perspective. From a match perspective, I think this is a good, you know, head and shoulders uh uh, better than that so uh, yeah i really don't have much negative here this might be one of the f- only matches of the night that i don't have much negative to say uh no negatives i actually called this a wrestlemania sleeper match in my notes yeah i mean to that end is this like the best match on the card i mean i kind of have one that probably edges it out but this is up right up there yeah the, it, it might be the the two teams work really well together and it's not looking into the future too much but it is weird and kind of cool to see big papa pump versus rikishi <laughs> yeah, in, the point. in their younger years because mm-hmm. like n- no dig on on fatu at all or i'm sorry samu at all but fatu is clearly the better worker of the two and clearly the one with the potential like Papa Uso brings it in this. He's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's always usually nine times out of ten, there seems to be a leader in tag teams, and he's like the leader in my mind. Yeah. I mean yeah. his his kids, <clears throat> except for Jimmy, are better than him. But <laughs> <laughs> what? Love I love your your Jimmy hate. That no, Jimmy and Fatu are probably equal, but mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Jay and Solo are significantly better than Rikishi ever was. 
You uh, know more than I do about that. Yeah, I, I'm defaulting to you. Anyway, um, this is actually the first time that Jim Ross says slobber knocker on WWF television. <laughs> um, I hate the Steiner's WWF music. Oh, I love the Steiner's WWF music. You like that better than I, Steinerized? Mm, I don't know about that, but I like I like yeah. it. I like it. No, this is one of those situations that I wish they would retroactively <laughs> dub in Steinerized over it because they own it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, By the oh, way, real quick, the Jim Ross comment you made, did he not ever even say that in WCW? I'm like, that could be a rhetorical question, but I don't remember him ever saying that in WCW. No, me either. I only mentioned the WWF TV part to cover my ass in case somebody emailed and said he said yeah. it all the time. I bet he saved that for Vince because he probably knew Vince like that. Yeah, I could see Vince in the back like, oh, oh, <laughs> <slobber> knocker. Yeah. <laughs> in 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Um. There's actually some really cool double-team moves in this that you don't see very often for this time period. Um, the only other note I had is the same thing that you said before, and we've talked about in previous shows. The head shrinkers should have been tag champions so that the Steiners won the tag titles. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, again, I'm trying not to rebook this because we've done it a thousand yeah, times, and it's just so easy to do, but I'm just trying to stay away from it as much as possible. We should have level set at the beginning of this. This is a big moment for us. We've been talking about this show via the torch for like a freaking year. Oh, yeah, for this, sure. This pay-per-view has been referenced since almost not. Oh, well, I mean, probably day one right after WrestleMania 8. Oh, if not before. Maybe before. Yeah, because the whole Lex Luger scenario uh, really kicked it off with him leaving WCW and, and working uh, for WWF, but not being able to do so until a year. So yeah. remember a year ago when the proposed card for this was Luger Hogan and warrior flair. Yes. Remember that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Times have changed. Before we get to the next match on the card, doink the clown is in the back with uh, mean Gene Okerlund. There's a statue behind them. It's a white statue. And Doink has put his makeup and a green wig on the statue. Um, really unpopular opinion here. This is funny. And not only that, but Doink as the character, Matt Bo or Matt Bourne as the Doink character here is so good. It, the, the maniacal but fun, just, oh, this had so many legs. And, yes. And, uh, this this match is one of my favorite parts of this show. The, without saying this before, because I wanted to say it, this is one of the reasons this is better than WrestleMania 29. <laughs> is that right? Really? Yes. Huh. Can you so, elaborate? I, I will as we get into this, but right, I, I like Doink. 
Oh, I, no, I love Doink. No, I love I Doink. Like I like original Doink. Original Doink. Doink. This this is the era of Doink. 93 is the best Doink until we get to the Survivor Series because it's not Matt Bourne. But, yes, this guy is phenomenal. He plays this clown on a different level than anyone ever played him. And there's been a lot of people that played him. Very oh. well done. And and it's still – it hasn't been bastardized yet. No. That's why I like it. It's The character is still intact and it feels like he has a future. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I like this more than I probably should. Yeah. Like I lull myself into into thinking he has a future before realizing that it's 30 years later and that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we like to live in the present when we're reviewing this stuff. <laughs> um it is kind of fun too to see Mean Gene and Doink together. Back to the oh, yeah. the backstage interview, that's kind of cool. Um so the match is crush against Doink. Doink does win. And before you tell me your thoughts, I would like you to explain the ending to our listeners. Well, I'm not going to do the full thing justice, but uh, at one point, Crush has Doink in the Cranium Crunch, I believe is the, the name of the move. And the ref's down. And all of a sudden, a second Doink comes out and attacks Crush, of all people. Long story short, uh, Crush uh, Crush loses, Doink wins, and we also see the Doinks. You know, like, I think this was actually uh, originated from the Marx Brothers, where, like, there's two of the same person, like, dresses each other, looking in a fake mirror, and they try to, like, mirror one another. Um, well, that's what the Doinks do here. They're, like, putting their hands up opposite one another laughing together the thing that's so weird though the commentators try to like tell us that they're not sure if this was a second doink or an illusion wait it's the dumbest aspect of this whole thing wait what you didn't pick up on that no 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 no. you just said there was two doinks this is the greatest optical illusion I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, man. I, uh, I uh, kind of felt for you fell for that one, huh? Who the hell is David Copperfield? <laughs> this is fantastic. The, the optical illusion. So later on, we actually get Todd Pettengill in the crowd asking fans who actually seem to not care whatsoever about answering his question, whether that was an optical illusion or not. Did you... Um... Like, I don't know if it's the same part, but did you like when he asked the Japanese guy? Yes. That, and all that the Japanese fun. guy did was laugh. Yeah, he just laughed he doesn't speak English. It's, that was really good. That was really good. Well, do you want to say who's, who the, uh, I almost said his name. Do you want to say who the second doink is? It's Matt Bourne. It's an optical illusion. <laughs> clearly, what kind clearly. of question is that? <laughs> you know, it is pretty good, though. This second doink or I'll just say the optical illusion doink. It looks really like like him. I mean, facially, I'm obviously he's dressed the same. But facially, he looks like him. Got a similar build too. So maybe you're right, maybe it is an optical illusion. Of course he looks like it's the same person. <laughs> the great thing about this though, and going back to like the beauty of Matt Bourne's doink, by the end of this match, his face paint is 90% wiped away. 
his wig is askew and his real hair is like showing through. It's it's, it's so freaking cool. It's funny you bring that up because um I think that adds to the character in a weird way. Mm-hmm. But I am very surprised that they did not go with a stronger uh face paint to prevent that from happening. Well, they end up doing that when Bourne's no longer there, but during his run, they they let that run, that let that ride. Yeah, it makes you wonder if um that was a hidden call then. I don't know. Yeah, and of course, like it works better for a heel to have that look. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, but the one other thing too to this this one for a feud that was built up pretty well. I mean, you know, it had storyline behind it. The crowd could not have cared less. <laughs> I wrote the exact same thing, right? <laughs> and I know you like this, and that's fine. Um, you fell for Vince's optical illusion gag, but is <laughs> my question here when watching this? Do you think this is the match where fans started to realize this would be a really crappy show? I no, because there's nothing wrong with this. Like mm, I, I, we're definitely on different pages here. But why don't you like it? I mean, Crush sucks. That's why. Doink's fine. I have no problem with this. I think Crush sucks. He's never been good. And I I know the optical illusion thing is like a fun, entertaining little gag, but like that's yeah. Okay, listen, stupid. this is WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. This is WrestleMania, and you're you have a build up feud, and you're not giving people clean wins. Like Doink wins cleanly, but not because it's because of you know outside cheating. But that's what that bothers me. I, I get it, but you can't have Crush just squash the guy. You can't do that. Well, then what are you? You're booking yourself in a corner here too, then. In a way, yeah, but you have Doink beat him. I I think the finish is fine, and and I get that you think Crush sucks. I I agree, Crush sucks. Speaking of another unpopular opinion, Crush's mm-hmm. gear is awesome. Oh, totally. No, no, no. That's not unpopular. I love this era of Crush gear. Oh, so good. So good. So good. But he gets his ass kicked for like seventy percent of this. He doesn't do anything. No, he's terrible. He's awful. And that's what kind of saves this for me. The other part, too, is um, this is like a really weird call out. I don't know Mm -hmm. if anybody's thought of this before, but the original doink is so wicked. Like he's getting um, and he's smart, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like he hits a picture perfect pile driver. And Ross, like, goes out of his way to mention that, oh, by the way, the guy in the clown suit is actually a really good worker. Yeah, I like that aspect of this character. You're right. And and he works this guy. And like I said, he beats him up for, like, it, it's no joke, like, 70% of this. Mm-hmm. And then Crush makes the big comeback. And Doink, Matt Bourne, is such a great worker that he goes to the ropes to break the the weird head smash thing because crush had two finishers in wwf and they're both horrible um anyway and doink gets the ropes and then he turns and elbows the ref in the face <laughs> to set up like his little deal like it 
the way that they did that, and it's a, it's, a, it's a credit to Matt Bourne. It's not the booking or the writing or any of that other stupid crap. No, yeah, you're making great points here. You're right. Matt Bourne is really, really good. And again, this is stupid. It's stupid. Steve Kern is the other doink. It's dumb. It's, it is dumb. But for the time and in the moment, there's a, a lot worse they could have done. And again, it doesn't age well because neither one of these guys has a future. But quite frankly, I, I think I think the other thing to do if you don't like the finish mm-hmm. is Crush just squashes him. And I think that's a mistake. I, that would be a mistake. That's a fair point. I don't know how I would book it differently. Um, I just think that a clean finish is – and then I guess it technically was clean. It was just, you know, there was cheating. You're weighing me over with some of these points. I'm that's fine because because Matt Bourne is really the the the, uh, the the center here and how he's working. Yeah, and again, yeah. if if you didn't get to see that, like if Crush beat him up and then Double Doink showed up and he won, then this would suck. Yeah, yeah this would you, be horrible. But that's not what this you is. You couldn't do that. You're right on. You're right on. You couldn't do that. Um, my last comment for this is I, the only thing missing with Doink in this one is the straggly hair wig versus the puffy hair. I hate the puffy hair wig. (laughs) Hate it. (laughs) It's coming soon. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Now, listen, are we done with this one? Because this next match, I'll let you announce it, but like, holy crap, this is like the war. You talked about head shrinkers and, um, uh, Steiner's as a hidden gem. This next match might be the the most the hidden gem for the most strange pairing in WrestleMania history. Uh, funny you say that. I I promise I will not argue with you about this one. Um, <clears throat> my note is on the list of completely useless WrestleMania matches. This has to be near the top of the list. Yeah. Uh, this is, of course, Razor Ramon over Bob Backlund. Go ahead. Well, so the first thing that strikes me, and after you guys have um, picked yourself off the floor from hearing Bob Backlund facing Razor Ramon, the funny thing about this one to me is that Razor Ramon had a built-in feud, and you brought this up a lot over the last few episodes. He had a built-in feud with the guy sitting 10 feet away from him at the announced table, and they never touched it upon it at all it's randy savage or Razor ramon that's what this match should be or or against perfect yeah that too that's fine but i mean i guess you know with luger in the picture that makes sense to have perfect there but i mean that's just one example of why this is really weird and then like you couldn't pick anybody else for razor here let alone Savage, but, like, Backlund has to be on the card. Like, give me, you know what, who should be here? And I'm not even picking anybody who's already on this card. Big Boss Man. Yeah, that's fine. You know how over Big Boss Man would be here with this crowd? I don't care if Razor should beat him. He should beat him, because we know Boss Man's on his way out. But Big Boss Man should be in this match. Yeah, it's fine. I can live with that. Um... But this is so strange. It's I think it's like under four minutes, too. There's really nothing to this match. Uh, I have a note here. Um, not only does this match make no sense to me, this would be a weird match to find on a random Coliseum video, let alone WrestleMania. 
right? <laughs> I mean, if you're like scrolling, you know, Super Tape 7 and you're like, what? <laughs> A Bob Backlund versus Razor Ramon? But no, it's on WrestleMania 9. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows. With ads and plugs removed, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. Last comment here. Uh, did you notice how big the crowd popped when Razor won this one? Uh, not only that, I actually, my other note for this is, is Razor the most over guy on the show so far? It might be. And Outside of like Savage com- coming out, right? Yeah. And doesn't that beg the question, and this goes to right what you just said, but I wrote, begs the question as to why this is the best they can do for him. Yeah, it's a shame. I don't know. Do you think this was potential? Well, this isn't really a turning point, though. I was going to say, is this like a potential turning point for Vince noticing that he's over? No, because of the finish. Yeah. yeah. You, it, again, we, we talked about this with WrestleMania 39 and calling audibles, and I told you something off air about when I would have decided something. But this is that situation, too. The minute Razor comes out and the crowd is chanting for him, you radio in and change this finish to Razor's Edge one two three. Well, I'm glad you said that because can you tell everyone how he actually wins this match? So this is a squash, basically. Razor beats him up the whole time, and then for some reason, Backlund starts to come back a little bit, and Razor wins with a small package out of nowhere. That's, That's it. That's the finish. Do you think there is an audible called here in the sense that, like, okay, we got to rush this? Like, is that what happened? If you're going to rush it, then it should be Razor's Edge 1, 2, 3. Yeah, I, like, I know. I know. It's strange. Like, nothing about this makes sense at all. No, none of it. It was uh, 3 minutes and 43 seconds. Wade called it a dud. I mean, I'd all rather right. see Cheeto Santana versus Papa Shango, which was the dark match. Uh, I'm okay. That's That's worse. <laughs> you know what actually honestly i have maybe a better one the boss man tito santana should be here yeah I, that's good that's more like logical that. right i like that yeah Ugh, unbelievable all right anything else on this no no okay so this next one i'm gonna go through everything that happens in my commentary mm-hmm. and then i want you to defend why this is what happens oh lord Okay. That's unfair. Yeah. So this is Money Inc. against the Mega Maniacs who are Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. So there's a huge ovation for Hogan as they make their way to the ring. I'm a real American, all that kind of crap, right? Oh, yeah. Beefcake's there too. Then, um, oh, sorry. I, I forgot this part. Beefcake's attire looks like stuff that Macho Man rejected. Yes, yes. Uh, Beefcake is also wearing a protective face mask, which does not make any sense. Uh, More on that later. So we've talked about this a hundred times, but 
Money Inc. tries to walk out in the middle of this match. But Hogan gets the rules changed so that if Money Inc. gets counted out, they lose the tag team titles, which doesn't make any sense because Money Inc. has walked out on like 10 other teams in the last like year. And nobody's ever thought of this until it was Hogan's bright idea, just to throw that out there. So yet another example of Hogan getting the rules changed to suit himself. So I almost wrote a note when I was watching this that yet again, Earl Hebner, like, you know, helps out Hogan. But I realized it's it wasn't even Earl Hebner. I think it was Danny Davis. It is. It is Danny Davis. Yeah. But you're right on. And I'm glad you brought up Danny Davis. More on that in a second, too. <laughs> so uh, Beefcake gets his mask taken off by uh, IRS and DiBiase at one point, and they punch him in the face. There's two major issues with this. One, I have no sympathy for Beefcake losing his protective mask because he shouldn't have it in the first place. Secondly, if we're going by the logic that there's a steel plate in Lex Luger's arm that knocks mm. people out, there's also steel plates in Beefcake's face. It should break people's hands when they punch him. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Moving on from that, here's the finish, everybody. Uh, Hogan cheated by kicking IRS in the balls. Then he picked up said mask that I talked about and smashed DiBiase and IRS in the face with it. And then the face manager, who magically turns his coat inside out to reveal referee stripes, showing that they premeditated their cheating because he was prepared to do this counts <clears throat> and Hogan and Beefcake somehow think this is legal steal the tag team titles and celebrate like they've won them even though Jimmy Hart is not a referee and oh they cheated to get the pinfall anyway and then and then <laughs> the, oh I'm not done <clears throat> and then the refs come out and make the right call but the crowd cheer boos the refs for whatever reason, which doesn't make any sense. So let me get this straight. Doink is an asshole for knocking out the referee and having a second doink come and hit crush with a uh, plaster arm. But Hogan is a big hero for kicking people in the balls and smashing them with a mask and pinning them with his manager counting. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so... <clears throat> I also would like to point out that Money Inc. didn't even cheat during the whole match. They didn't cheat at all. They didn't do anything. So there's no comeuppance here, so you can't use that as an excuse either, so I don't want to hear it. Then, after the refs came and stopped all this stuff, Hogan pulled the referee to his knees and threatened to hit him. Then, Hogan backed off because, you know, he's a nice guy. And the face manager threw the referee out of the ring and the crowd cheered. And then, and then, the faces take the heels briefcase, which is locked. Well, that or Beefcake is dumb and doesn't know how to open a briefcase. I'm no, still I, not entirely sure no. which one's which. Oh, yeah, and then they steal from them. Please explain to me why this is okay. 
I actually have an explanation. I really do. Since Royal Rumble 1992, Hulk Hogan has been a heel. That's the explanation. The guy's a heel. He's not a face. That's Hulk the Hogan, only explanation that there is. Hulk Hogan at this at this time period is like lie, cheat, steal, Eddie, or crime time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. He was a man ahead of his time. I, I, I honestly cannot, um, and I will not counteract anything you said, but... I will emphasize yet again, he is not a face. And I don't know why he and Vince think this is acceptable. Like, as you're, whether you want to say he's still their top baby face or not, I don't know. But as a top baby face, I don't know what the hell they're doing. And there's actually moments in, like, the late 80s, too, that he has here and there that is very un- um, Unlike a face, but this is just insane. I mean, you just went, well, how long did you go? Seven minutes on that? I, and all he's I been doing this since, like, like, even in 91 when he cheated to beat The Undertaker. That's how he lost the title, and the, it was, you know, held up for the Rumble to begin with. Well, and again, I didn't fabricate this. Yes, I no. painted it in a light. Maybe some people didn't look at it as, but all I did was tell you what happened. Yeah, That's and I really... Finish. I liked um, I liked a lot of what you just said, but I liked the the fact that you called out money. You're right; they didn't really cheat here. No, they didn't they do didn't anything do dastardly. Anything. No, the I cannot contradict anything. Yeah. Again, the worst thing they did was take off the guy's mask, which technically he shouldn't have. And again, if you look at this from a logical perspective, should be a disadvantage for them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're, you're right. You're right. And then, to, to correct me if you said this, but I know you said it, but the, the element of Jimmy Hart, not only, of course, having the uh, the goal to, pre- to pretend or think he's a ref, but premeditated, had the lining of his jacket designed as a referee's stripes, uh Design, even though WWF doesn't actually use stripes for the refs, so that's kind of funny. Also dumb. I I hate this. I I mean I hate this. Even as a kid, this pissed me off. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, and it's an absolutely atrocious match. If you couldn't tell from your rant, seventeen minutes and thirty seconds is what Wade clocked this as. Um, I don't even see him rating this rightfully so i don't know how you could i don't I think really you don't know how you could. this is brutal you know the one the other thing too and this is kind of getting away a little bit from the um the match or the angle and this is something that wade talked about in the opening the cover story talking about how small hogan looks and we know you know we can, we can realize why but the aspect of him looking small his legs look super small i mean everything looks small but I was taken back by his legs. Did you notice that? Yeah, he just in general looks really like what's it's funny because you mentioned this show reminding you of WCW. Yeah. Hogan at this show always reminds me of WCW Hogan. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. No, no, no. This does. is this is the start of it from now until. I mean, NWO, NWO Hogan. This is who he is. Yeah, pretty much. 
and it's just so it's so strange that he thought this was acceptable face tactics. And I guess to some degree it worked because people still cheered him. I mean, a dwindling amount of people did, but still. Uh, this crowd was actually very pro Hogan. I'll give I'll give them that. If for nothing else, mm-hmm. maybe this was the crowd to do this in front of. Yeah, I guess. I guess. But no, I, we don't have to talk anymore about. I mean, this is this is awful. This is the worst part of the night. Oh. Uh, Mm. Well, we'll <laughs> one one B because one A is still there coming. You go. One B. This is the worst match of the night because I don't even think what happens later is a. It's I guess it, I guess it is a match. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, it see you know watching this for thirty years, you kind of yeah I don't know. It all melds together at some point. The next thing here is uh, perfect. It's with Mean Gene in the back. A really funny flub here by Mr. Perfect because he cannot say the word narcissist. (laughs) Way to go, Vince. So next match. Next match on the card, and this is back to you. Uh, Luger defeats Mr. Perfect. So I think we both agree because I know you had referenced this earlier. The entrance for Luger is really cool. I mean, it's not like if you're going to compare it to current day, it's not it's not comparable. But for the time, it's just like a nice, um, unique aspect for for the um, Luger character. So he comes out with, I think, like four different women who, for the time being, pretty risque as far as like what they're wearing or not wearing. Um, And they they come out and they hold up mirrors. He looks at himself and then the mirrors um, shoot some. Fireworks, basically, like spring. Uh, what are they called? Like kind of the <laughs> kind of the Gilberg or Goldberg. Uh, um, <laughs> sparklers. <laughs> sparklers. Thank you. Yes, and it is funny if you think about um, Gilberg because it's almost similar to that. Um, but no, it was kind of cool. I, I like that part of it. Um, the other aspect of just kind of entrance. Perfect comes out. It's funny. I think he crossed paths with the women that are walking back. So that was kind of funny the way he reacts. Um, I like that he's wearing yellow gear. I don't know why. I like the yellow gear. I think a lot of his tenure as the face, he's in blue. So it was just cool, cool to see that kind of like uh, throwback to the, I would say like the 90, 91 era of perfect, perfect with the, the yellow gear. Otherwise, I was, you know, this is a, this is a meh match to me. I, I think on paper it could be okay in something, but I just don't think... Mr. Perfect ever really had good pay-per-view matches. There's really not many pay-per-view matches. Um, not wrestling Bret Hart does that this guy has, sadly. So, I don't know. This is one of them. Luger, too. I mean, it's a shame because you would think, you know, they would both work hard, especially Luger being in his first WrestleMania. But I just, it's just kind of plodding along, this match. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. 
We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the ProRes Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices, or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Um, the other thing that struck me watching it back, I kind of forgot how much offense Perfect got here. He does carry most of the match, and it's weird being that, um, you know, Luger's the new heel of the company. Uh, it's WrestleMania where, you know, he wants to, um, uh, you know, put on a good showing, and he kind of gets beat up most of the match. That was kind of an odd piece. Um, I also don't know why they didn't have him outright be perfect. Like, why did they have to... Um, they, really, I think the ref ends up looking like an idiot here. So maybe it's just like a night of poor refereeing, which I think <laughs> is a theme. But I don't know. Like, perfect didn't shouldn't have lost anything by just getting outright pinned. But um, he had his feet on the ropes, and the ref didn't see it. And Luger, Luger does pin him, but it's just because the ref looked like an idiot. So I don't know why he can't beat him. The one good thing on the post-match was Luger uh, knocking him out with the uh, loaded forearm, like you kind of prefaced earlier. Um, and then, honestly, the best match part of the match was after the match, where Perfect goes to the back, especially in this era. Anytime they go to the back is cool, because you know it's kind of cool to see what the backstage was like back then. I think they did this at the Rumble, right, with um, Jannetty and Michaels, and now we're seeing it at WrestleMania, so that was kind of cool. Um, nice beatdown by HBK. He takes this like really stiff plastic trash can and just throws it over Perfect's head. And you can tell the edge of the kind of the mouth of the trash can just like nails Perfect across the head, which must have hurt. Um, the only thing that doesn't make sense, well, I guess there's a few things, but the one thing that I, I walked away with, um, you know, you're clearly setting up a Perfect HBK feud. Perfect just lost. He's already moving on from Luger here, apparently. And it seems like he's getting a, a shot at the IC champ next. So I, I don't understand the logic on that one. Um, on, on the last part, <clears throat> just because it's the only thing I have to push back a little bit with you, I totally agree with you besides that. it I get where you're coming from, but I think, and this isn't an excuse because it is sloppy, Mm -hmm. I think they just want to transition both of these guys into other stuff. And this was the best they came up with. Yeah. That's that's not an excuse at all for the logical, but that's kind of the thought process. I think. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I, I think you're right on. It's just interesting. Isn't it weird? Like Luger moved on that quickly from perfect. Yeah. And then, I, I think the reason for that is, unfortunately, in this time period, a lot of their stuff was on house shows. And so at this point, Luger and Perfect have been working on house shows for a while. Yeah. So this yeah. is supposed to serve as the blow off to that because they're not going to continue to run house shows with this match when they've already done it for the last two months or whatever it is. So, again, unfortunate circumstance of the time because it doesn't really work like that anymore. So we're not really conditioned to that now. But I th- again, I think that's the reason. Then I think it goes, and you're right. I think it goes back to the poor booking of the show. 
because yes, Luger wins, but because of um, he doesn't clearly beat perfect. It's because the ref's an idiot. And, and if it happens once in a match, it's fine. But like this is almost every match now. Yeah, and the other part of that too, um, couple things. I, I totally agree. You should have beat him. I, I had the same thing in my notes that Luger just should have won with the forearm. They they could have done everything the same way they did and just had him win with the forearm and then had everything play out after the fact the same way that it did. Um, it doesn't really change much in the long term. To the other point about setting things up for later, we did not mention this, but they were setting up something for per, or for Luger, excuse me, because they did mention that Luger had knocked out Bret Hart earlier in the day with his forearm. You're right. Yeah, we didn't mention it. They talked a little bit, of, a little bit about that more in the main event um, or around the main event. You know why I forget about it though? Because it doesn't because, go anywhere. Yeah, it it doesn't go. And again, it sucks, but clearly they're setting both of these guys up mm-hmm. for other stuff. But again, one of them doesn't pan out, so this looks yeah. more random than it really is. Yeah. yeah. At the time, anyway. Um, the only other notes I had, it, again, I echo you pretty much throughout. Uh, Luger's entrance screams the family entertainment talented for this event. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't specifically say this, but yeah, the women are wearing thongs, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I stand by this, and I will always die on this hill they should have rolled with this version of the lex luger character yeah i think we're gonna we should talk more about this um but it's actually gonna be coming and going pretty quickly so maybe we don't have too much more time actually but i think you're right on i think in retrospect they could have yeah gotten more you know gotten more legs out of this and that goes back to what we just talked about you should just beat him clean um well semi-clean with the forearm thing I still don't think they've uncovered that yet, by the way, but right. I think you're right. Anyway, um, there is a very famous story about this match that I'm surprised you didn't bring up and, and maybe you haven't heard it. Maybe you have, I don't know, but there's a, a story about this match that perfect and Luger talked about everything ahead of time. And perfect was supposed to lead Luger through the match as the veteran. And when they got out there, perfect, uh, had a a brain fart or his mind went blank and he totally forgot everything they were going to do. So they had to start from scratch in the ring and um, nothing against Luger, but he just wasn't able to do that. That's why this is really not good because if you hear reports, um, maybe we'll get some in the torch, you know, as, as the house show reports kind of come in after the fact. Yeah. But a lot of their house show matches were really good based on what I've heard. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. I wouldn't have. Th- I, I remember that, but I didn't uh, recall it at all until you said it. That sounds very familiar. Um, but no, other than that, I <clears throat> I wrote the same thing you did. I I put it's fine, but never really gets to the level it probably could have. That's it. Yep, agreed. I actually think this could have been a, another candidate um, for opener. And maybe in more like recent times, all things equal, like this could have been an opener. Because I know like they would usually go with like the either a tag or like like they did here at Tatanka and Shawn Michaels, but they might go for a bigger feud as an opener nowadays. Yeah, and I would have been fine with that. 
Uh, I'm actually more okay with that than the Steiners. Yeah, okay. Um, next thing here, uh, Gorilla is back from Blackjack, and he wants to give a preview of the final two matches. So I just threw it in, that in here because, again, like I said before, it threw me off. I just always remember the story like he was either sick or, yeah, like you said, went to uh, play poker. And, of course, both could be true here. But if either were true, I'm kind of surprised he even came back. But, I mean, it's a little thing. But still, it's just, you know, just it threw me off in the moment. I bet that Vince paid for his next hand to get him over here. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I guess so. So we think we only have two matches left at this point. The next one. (laughs) The Undertaker defeats Giant Gonzalez by disqualification when Giant Gonzalez makes the Undertaker pass out with chloroform on a rag. So we are now at, let me just kind of go back. We started off with a count out win. Then we got an actual pinfall. Then we got a technical pinfall, although Doink cheated. Razor Ramon got a clean pin on Bob Backlund. Money Inc. won by DQ. Um, Luger does pin perfect, but because the ref's an idiot. And then we get another DQ. (laughs) So, like, the booking on this card is just absolute garbage. And this is just the most chaos. Um, I had to stop myself. Because what you just talked about with the Hogan match, that's the most chaotic match we've seen. But this is just ridiculous. In a different way. Like, the, I, I do love watching this back, the um, chloroform, how the commentators were, like, trying to piece it together. And, like, Savage was, you know, pretending to kind of stumble through what it could be. And he, he's the first one, I think, that says the word chloroform. I mean, it's just it's just classic. You have to go listen to that again. The other thing that's great about that is that no one in the audience is covering their mouths or anything like it. That's not, it's obviously just a cloth with maybe water on it. (laughs) Did Um, you want him to actually chloroform him? (laughs) No, I'm just saying like, (laughs) you know, to play along here, touche, but to play along here, like, it's just like, it's just so stupid. It's just dumb. Um, a few things beyond that. Why didn't Vince call Gonzalez the ninth wonder of the world? Because that's China. Yeah, but she didn't exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Vince's world, anyway. Um, I also liked, moving back a little bit, Taker had a second, I think it's, this is his second elaborate entrance, right? Since we started the podcast, at least. You know, SummerSlam 92 comes to mind. Yep. 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 This one's kind of cool, though, too. Love this one. Yeah. Um, it is kind of cool, too. Uh, Jim Ross notes that the radio audience has joined. There is a news note earlier in this issue where Wade calls out the fact that the final two matches actually were simulcast on radio. So I never put those two things together until uh, this issue, which is kind of cool. Uh, another thing. You guys have to go back. I wish I timestamped this, but... I laughed out loud. There's a section of this match where, um, for I don't know why, Giant Gonzalez puts a headlock on The Undertaker. 
but the Undertaker is like on the mat. So Gonzalez has to like bend over so far. It's so funny to see him hunch over that much. It's so great. And it lasts like pretty long. Uh, it's like him like cradling a little baby, basically. <laughs> um, I don't know. My last bullet point on this one, this show sucks on every level. So that was really where my mind was at when I was watching this. And we didn't even get to the worst part. So <clears throat> the beginning of this is very cool. Um, with the entrances, uh, Giant Gonzalez does not have music. I don't know if anybody realized that, but he doesn't have music. And then the Undertaker with the cool entrance. And then they get in and they stare each other down and really cool. And the punches happen and it's still pretty cool. And then all of the novelty of this just for some reason completely wears off. And like, I don't know, somewhere around the chokehold that lasts 10 minutes. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know. The, it, it, as soon as, like, Taker goes to the top rope and chokes him back, and it's like, oh, that's cool. And then after that, I just don't care anymore. Um, the question I have for you, I have two, but this is the first one. Yeah. Is this the first time that Taker is beaten down by somebody like this? Like, just dominated? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the first time was probably um, by the same guy at, Rum at the Rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you mean, know, in an yes. actual match, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And actually, I didn't put this in my notes, but one thing that I did like was the way The Undertaker comes back. Um, like, the way he looks coming back through, because he gets carted out, out at one point. He he looks human coming back, which is cool, and actually speaks to what Wade talked about, I think, last week, maybe, two weeks ago. And I believe the below the bottom line, where he says he, he just wishes um, the character of The Undertaker became a little bit more human due to the beatdown, so this is actually kind of hitting on that pretty well. So I like that. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day, to keep up on breaking news and more. That's P wtorch.com uh, That kind of ruins my follow-up question. Ah, crap. Anyway, <laughs> um, my first one is we talked about premeditated cheating earlier. Yeah. This time we're going to talk about premeditated murder because who carries chloroform? I don't know. The ninth one of the world, I guess. Like it, I mean, it just yeah, bothers I, me that he just has it with him. Like, who does that? And no one seems like he still works there the next day. You know, That's exactly. Like <laughs> nobody does anything about this. Oh, and my last question, which you've already ruined, but why did chloroform affect a dead guy? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, not good when the fans are left with questioning things like this, right? It's just not good I, booking. I just think of it from a kayfabe standpoint is why wouldn't the Undertaker just like tilt his head to the side and laugh and then beat the shit out of this guy? Right, exactly. Like, exactly. he's dead. So this should not do any... Ugh, I know. Crazy. I know. Any Anything else on that one? No, we're good. <laughs> Let's move on. In the main event, or well, what we think is the main event for another 
15 minutes or so. Um, Yokozuna defeats Bret Hart to become the new WWF heavyweight champion. This is a dark day in the history of a Bret Hart fan. Really, really poor um, booking. Really sad. Uh, I looked this up, too, um, because this is certainly not the shortest match on WrestleMania, and it's not even the shortest match on this WrestleMania, but I think it's one of the shortest main event matches on WrestleMania. And I'm not including what happens after this. I am not including that here because that's going to take the cake. But as a true main event, like a booked match that sells the card or is supposed to, this is one of the shortest main events ever, right? Is it nine and a half? It's no. I mean, according to the torch, 854. So it's not even nine minutes. Okay. And I do well, believe, I do believe this is stated in Brett's uh, book, where he um, he notes that Yoko actually goes to the end early, earlier than yeah, he was supposed yeah. to. Yeah. He must have flubbed something, too, or, or just got lost for a second. But yeah, Brett does call that out. If anyone knows, like, I would love maybe someone to do that. I, I actually tried to look it up. I couldn't find it. I'm just looking for the main event match of the WrestleMania is this the shortest one there is? And again, not including what happens after this. But what a terrible start to this main event. You have freaking Hulk Hogan cutting a promo before the match. Like, that just sets the table of everything. Um, the plus of this, I think this might have been my match of the night, if not second. Like I said, the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers was pretty good. But this was just getting good when it ended. So they were just clicking on a few gears here. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to know if you like this better than the second one. No, because of the outcome. Okay, yeah, I, I it over. Yeah, I would this is a good match, but yeah, it's just it's you can't even I can't even enjoy it because I know what happens. Yeah, um, there was a cool moment because I think this is something that um, one of the first times we see Yoko in trouble here. Uh, Brett ends up tangling his foot in the ropes and then jumps over the ropes and gets a big, you know, splash on top of him. That was really clever. It was like um, it was cool in the way that like it was designed to make it look like Brett, you know, scouted him and um, just outsmarted him a little bit, which is really cool to see. Um. And, you know, I think this match does feel like a main event. Like, if you can cut off what happens later, like, this is a nice matchup. It's a shame that you're ruining two. I mean, Bret Hart's not, quote-unquote, young. But as a main eventer, he's a young main eventer here in this company. Um, you're cutting off their legs with what happens after. But these are two fresh guys at the top, which is kind of fun to see. And, again, the first time we see it in the nine years of this uh, WrestleMania. Um, that was pretty much it. I mean, I'll leave it there because, you know, we'll talk about what happens after, but it's just, it's, it sucks. It sucks where this goes. Yeah. I like this match a lot too. Um, I do think the one at 10 is a hair better. Um, again, it's splitting hairs, but I do think the one at 10 is slightly better with that said. This is one of those matches that because of the aftermath and the finish, people think it sucks, and that's not true. It's not true, yeah. No. Uh, the other part of this also 
And it's to what you said. And we talked about this um, with the Brett and Razor match back at Rumble. And we're actually going to talk about this again when we do um, King of the Ring. And then again when Diesel comes to prominence and works with Brett. But even though Brett is smaller than these people, he makes it believable that he could win because of how he works. Right. And that is the most underrated quality of Bret Hart that people do not appreciate enough. Yeah, no, that's a great call out. I, I think that speaks, that's probably describes it better than I did as far as that part, um, that one part in the match where Bret tangles Yoko's foot in the ropes. Like he really does a legitimately like logical job of making it look like he's uh the underdog kind of outsmarting him. Well, and how he puts on the sharpshooter also. Mm-hmm. Instead of making the attempt at at the traditional way of putting Yoko in it and turning him over, he knows he can't do that. Yep. So yep. he knocks Yoko on his stomach and then puts it on kind of backwards, I guess is the best way to say that. And what's funny is um Brett actually practiced that with Yoko in the the locker room because Brett wasn't sure if he would be able to put it on Yoko because Yoko was so big he didn't know if he could lock his legs together and if uh, Yoko could bend that way just to throw that out that's pretty cool that's really cool um the other thing too is just because you brought up um Brett's age and Yoko being a fresh main eventer crazy to think about but Brett is either 10 or 11 years older than Yoko here. That is amazing. Yeah. Like mid to creeping up on late 30s. Brett's 35, and I don't okay, remember so if Yoko is 24 or 25. Jeez, that's nuts. Um, so after this, Basically, Yoko wins with the salt in the eye. We covered that at the top of the show, if anybody wants to go back. After that, uh, Hogan appears, which is weird because he doesn't have his music, and I thought Hogan didn't come out without his music, but anyway. Um, he's standing over Brett. Really, I'd never noticed this before until I watched this the end of this earlier today. He's, like, standing over Brett very awkwardly, and it's it's weird, but anyway. He's talking to Brett and checking on him for some reason. I don't know why he didn't bring water to help get the salt out of his eyes, but never. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's like half-ass helping, I guess. Not only that, but, but he literally appears the second Yoko pins Brett. Yeah, he's there. He must yes. have been like in the aisle way. Yeah. Like he was at Gorilla running the show is what we're supposed yeah, to believe right. or something. I don't know. Well, Gorilla wasn't there, so clearly someone had to. <laughs> I guess it, I bring up the the music thing to make fun of Hogan, but that would have been significantly more insulting had they played Real American. Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. Like hindsight being twenty twenty, that would have been way worse. In today's era, they would have. He wouldn't have just run there. Oh, for sure, they yeah, would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after this. Um, Hogan appears, and for some reason, Mr. Fuji challenges him to a match. Hogan asks Brett if it's okay, kind of, sort of, I guess, I think. Anyway. I guess. Brett, like, like, eggs him on. I, I don't know. It's, it, see, it's funny you think of it that way, 
because if like all right they paint it as brett is like oh yeah go get him right right yeah yeah, yeah. if you watch it though and maybe it's because we know what we know but brett just waves him away like f off he does he does lost the title leave me alone (laughs) so again it's all about context here and how you look at things because you really could frame it either way and again, anybody who, who wants to watch it, it's it's at the very end of the show. You can fast forward right to the end. Like, you'll see what I'm saying if you watch it with that in mind. I've never have, but you're right. That's yeah, you could frame it that way. I will now. Do you think... I, I want a second uh, camera angle of Brett leaving. Like, once he's out of the frame, you don't see him again. I want to see what happens. Does he play this up? Does he disappear quickly? Does he linger in the aisle? Like, what does he do? I want to know. It's a shame. But remember the moment next year where Owen's standing in the aisle? Mm. Brett should have done that. That would have been great. I mean, maybe he was. We didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing is, is Mr. Fuji not the worst manager ever? Oh, he's an idiot. Such an idiot. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? No reason, no rhyme or reason to do it. Um, remember too, he dumped the active tag team champions demolition at Survivor Series 88 for the powers of pain who literally won nothing. He dumped them for no, for no reason as they were champions. You know, what's really funny. If you, um, put what happened here in today's logic, Mr. Fuji cashed in money in the bank on his own, uh, (laughs) his own guy. (laughs) That's awesome. And here's another logic question. If anyone else ran out to them, to the, if it wasn't Hogan, if anyone else ran out, would Fuji have uh, challenged them? Um, if it was Samu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Samu, no, because he's a family member. Yeah, uh, sure. Marty Jannetty, probably. Yeah. Luna Vachon. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe. I'm all for that. Amazing. And I do have a note here. Brett waving on Hogan is so, so lame. It really is. You're right. And, like, sorry, I have another question. Where was the bell for this match? Like, to the point that we talked about this. Right? Like, they, they, I mean, maybe someone hears it. I don't hear it. But, like, things like that. And that's why they end up questioning if this ends up being legitimate, uh, as Wade reported. But, you know, things like that. It's just like it, it shouldn't have been. Maybe you send people home happy, but I don't know. I, I kind of err on I certainly err on the side of they should have negated this win and, and made the tournament uh King Earing tournament for the title. So you have a note in here and I have an answer to your question. It says why didn't Hebner call for a DQ when the salt was thrown? Um the answer to that question is because it benefited Hogan. If the salt had hit Hogan in the eye, there would have been a DQ, and then they would have gotten water and cleaned out Hogan's eyes and then restarted the match. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. You're right on. You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. 
and it'll also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at pwtorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, pwtorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. Also, I love the fact that it's so clearly baby powder. Like, I knew when I was a kid it's not salt. Yeah, why do we all, like, I think we're so stupid. Because anybody who has ever salted anything in their life has <laughs> spilled salt. There's not a cloud that comes out exactly, when you exactly. salt on the counter. Is Vince so rich that, like, rich people have a different version of salt? <laughs> Is that what we're getting at here? <laughs> uh, uh, that... That reminds me of, uh, that just makes me think of somebody asking Vince McMahon what a gallon of milk cost. I don't know, thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. And here's my last question for you, and I, I'm, you might have more, but if and this is really more of a statement, actually, if anything close to this happened today, and I'm, I'm sure it has some degree, we would never hear the end of it. They're lucky this happened in '93. What's funny is. We do have something close to this now. It's that stupid money in the bank that has been played out for a decade yeah. um, that I complain about constantly when baby faces <laughs> use it because yeah, I think yeah. it's dumb. But anyway, so there's that. But considering the fact that people are complaining that Roman beat Cody with cheating when, oh, Cody cheated too, uh, <laughs> proves that people on the internet will complain about anything. So, yeah, this is just a complaint that would go on slightly longer than the other ones we have now. Absolutely. Yeah. Ugh. What else you got? Anything else? I mean, we kind of like, ugh. Ran no, let's go. no, let's go to scores. Um, Mark Madden and Chris Zavisa with twos. Bruce Mitchell with a three. And, and Wade threw me for a loop here. Uh, he gave it a four. Uh a pro with Jim Ross on commentary. <laughs> he said that Savage was terrible on commentary. I don't agree with that. I don't agree either. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Savage I, is Savage. Like, he is what he is. Uh, he said he hopes to see Ross and Heenan work together more. Uh, agree. I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. Uh, hates the Steiner's music. Dead on. I agree. <laughs> I know you like it. But I like it. I like it. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> And then he mentioned how the cheap finishes showed how insecure their booking was. We covered all of that. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah. So what's your score? How bad is this? This is 2.0 for me. And the only reason it gets a 2 in all seriousness is the nostalgia aspect. And that's like, that's honestly the only reason. This is a horrible show. I don't care what anyone says. The best thing going for it is that opening video <laughs> package that lasts about five seconds. Uh, uh, Dennis is right on with Bret Hart's pink outfit, or pink gear. Um, and then just kind of like things here and there that are like, oh, that's interesting. That's kind of cool, like throwback. But I mean, the matches are poorly booked. 
nothing is um offense i won't say that things are offensive a lot of this is offensive this is awful booking and i guess wade says it best it's it shows how insecure their booking was that's a pretty good way to sum it up actually it's awful it's an awful show i like this more than you um which i i didn't know if that was going to be the case and it it might be because i've i've seen this like a hundred times because i i had this vhs yeah uh, and i still regret the decision to purchase this over wrestlemania 10 i i still regret that to this day (laughs) uh anyway so i'm gonna go higher than you i wish i could do a point two or something but you can do whatever you want we don't do that we it's on the half all right I want to give it a three and a half, but I'm not going to. I'll, I'll give it a three, but I, I give it a three because of Doink. Luger is is I love I really like that character. I, I I know that's not popular at all, but I like the character. And Yoko and Brett is not terrible. It everything around it sucks, but the eight minutes that they have before the cluster of yeah. a finish yeah. is good. Yeah, we definitely agree there. Yoko and Luger, although I agree with what you're saying, that doesn't even phase, you know, it doesn't it doesn't phase me for this show. Generally speaking, yes, I'm in agreement, but for this show it doesn't do anything for me. Neither of them do. So, on to the below the bottom line from Wade. Hogan's win bad for business. Wade mentions that Hogan has been involved in all nine WrestleManias and has posed in the ring at the end of each one. He even notes that two of those times were ones Hogan wasn't even supposed to be there for. Uh, That, of course, being this one and uh, WrestleMania 4, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, it's correct. Yep, correct. Uh, Wade questions whether it's good for Vince, the wrestlers, and non-Hulk Hogan fans that Hogan lives on. Uh, I'm going to fix that. That Hulkamania lives on. Uh, It's not. It's dead. (laughs) instead of a new torchbearer vince and the wbf fell back into their old ways and if hogan is not committed to house shows tv and pay-per-view it will not be successful or meaningful that's very prophetic uh real quick while we're on this this topic can you tell me how many times hulk hogan successfully defends this title including house shows Oh, yeah. Um, zero? Yeah. Because I think he just does tag matches, and then he loses at King of the Ring. Spoiler yep. alert. Yep. Yeah. On the house shows, he works with Beefcake against Money, Inc. for right. the tag titles as world champion. You're correct. Yes. That uh, We can talk about that, because I'm sure it'll be reported in the torch, but uh, I'm sure you have thoughts, but I certainly have thoughts on that. And that most of it has to do with what the hell Vince is thinking here. Yeah, it's just, we touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the show, but again, all of that ends up proving to be false, but more on that as as we go a little bit here. Um, so Hart was seen as the little brother to Hogan and someone who needed to be saved, which is a major mistake. Um, while we're on that topic, in your opinion, did this send... WWF back a year. Oh man, let me think about that. 
I mean, the gut answer is absolutely yes. Um, in theory, they probably rebound quicker than you would think. Um, not in when I say rebound, I'm not saying they're rebounding to the heights they had, but I mean this doesn't. They're not climbing out of a gutter. They're they're like they're they're probably in a ditch after this, and it actually they're able to kind of right the ship a little bit quicker because honestly, and this sounds like a Bret Hart fan um, saying this, which I am, but because they had Bret Hart waiting in the wings, like he was already a main eventer, they already put the title on him, so they didn't have to build him up from scratch as a main eventer, so they were able to pivot to him at some point uh, or pretty quickly, I think. So yes and no, I guess is my answer. Yeah, to an extent, the next pay per view writes the ship a little bit, but I still, I still think in a way. Well, now I'm questioning myself because if if the Hogan thing doesn't happen, Yoko wins. I assume anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's weird to think. I mean, maybe maybe we have the same main event next year anyway, and everything plays out the same way. Honestly. That's tough. It is a tough. It is so that's why I think like my gut reaction is it certainly did set them back, but I think there's caveats here that we can't just say a hundred percent set them back. Because I yeah. do think they rebound pretty well, all things considered. Uh, in June, yes. What's after that, no. But we'll talk about that when we get there. No, but I'm I'm even going into, like, the next WrestleMania, like, they rebound pretty well. But that's what I mean about it, setting them back a year. Because it took you an extra year to have that moment. But again, that's why I'm kind of backtracking on myself, because I guess that moment wouldn't have happened here anyway. Sure, yes, you're right. Uh, that you know I, I mean? Yep, I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, WF tried to cover for Brett with the salt in the eyes and having Luger attack him at the WrestleMania brunch, which I don't. That wasn't played enough up enough to bat to matter. By the way, um, Wade said most fans don't recall those details, so Hart comes off looking like a loser. Totally agree with that. Uh, Yoko also came away looking vulnerable and no longer the unbeatable monster he has been. Agreed. Uh, Wade maps out a plan to have Hogan defend the title against Hart at SummerSlam which would ultimately have Hogan pass the torch and build a new star. At this moment, is that the logical conclusion you would come to as a fan? Which is the Hogan in Brett. Yeah. That was, yeah, I think so. I'm thinking of like me now, but also me as a kid watching this, like, um, probably, probably more now is what I would think where would they go with it if i was a younger kid i don't know i don't know what i would think honestly i'm not sure if i would think i would think that brett would face hogan i probably would assume he would be like hogan would be facing a heel there you know oh yeah that's a good point so but that but no to your point i i do think so <clears throat> Uh, Wade says that Hogan would then congratulate Brett and retire after the match. And Wade says Hart will never have full credibility as champion if Hogan doesn't put him over clean. Uh, that's interesting. I th I think we moved past that at some point. 
But in this time period, it's easy to see why Wade would think that. Are you ready for a preview of next week? Yeah, let's do it. It's got to be better than what happened here. <laughs> <laughs> All things considered, it was a fun show. Oh, no, not this. But, yeah, just the, the, the uh, um, cover story alone was just depressing. But, oh, yes, absolutely a fun show. This is the, These are the best shows where we just get to talk about. One pay-per-view that we've watched like 87 times. Oh, I know. I know. It's great. It- Without a doubt, this is the one I've seen the most of the ones we've covered so far. Um, it's definitely up there for me. I haven't seen this one as much or as uh, often or more recently, rather than obviously reviewing it. Eight's probably edges this one out. Uh, next week, the headline analysis: uh, Hogan to remain champion. Former champion Hart's future status is in question with the new focus on Hogan. Also, Torch Talk Part 3 with Medusa, so back to that. Below the bottom line covers suggestions for improvement in WCW. WCW bombs in New York at Madison Square Garden as Flair no-shows. And readers react to WrestleMania. So, Patrick, if you don't have anything else to add for this issue, how can everybody find you on the torch and otherwise? I am on the torch every Friday evening covering AEW Rampage. Last week I covered uh, both Rampage and Battle of the Belt, so you'll see me there as well. And uh, I'm not on social media because I took your lead a long time ago, Alex, and uh, just disconnected from that. So you're not going to be finding me there. But other than that, I am your co-host here on the 90s Passcast each and every week. And as a last plug, please, please uh, contact us at torchpasscast at gmail.com. Yeah, on on that train, it's really funny because we got a record number of emails this week. And you asked everybody to send in positives about WrestleMania 9. And nobody mentioned any except for Brett's outfit. Brett's outfit. It's hilarious to me. It's great. I love it. And that's a great one, too, by the way. So, But thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, torchpasscastgmail.com. I'm Alex McDonald, the alt-perspective reporter for SmackDown every Friday night on PW Torch. And, of course, the special counsel in training to my tribal chief, as well as the king of Torch Passcast trivia, which will return next week. Thanks for listening to the 90s Passcast, and we will talk to you next week. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week, so subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member 
with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, Everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Torch assistant editor Zach Haydorn here to remind you to pick up a copy of my new book. It's called Stunning the Wrestling Artistry of Steve Austin. The project takes a long look at Austin as an artist in the wrestling ring. Analysis starts from his early days in the USWA and then wraps up with his match at WrestleMania 38 against Kevin Owens, all with analysis on what worked and how his art worked to connect with fans. The book is available for pre-order right now from the team that brought you the Shamrock Biography Hybrid Shoot. Pre-order copies are discounted and you can get all the details on my Twitter page right now. It's at Torch. Again, it's at Torch to pre-order stunning the wrestling artistry of Steve Austin.